mean, once again, they can't all be Maddie Ice. I mean, did anybody see a shirt? <laughs> oh, that was such a great question. No, not everyone can be as charming and cool on camera as Maddie Ice. How many takes do you call think, him that? How many takes do you so think cool. that was? One take? That was take 543. That was the best they were going to get from him. Here we are, a Cast Iron Brains, a podcast that can't think of a single solitary thing that Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, the Light of the World, the humble carpenter and servant and rabbi, the Savior and Redeemer of all mankind, not a single thing that Jesus would choose to spend $20 million American dollars on were he alive and physical presence in the year of him 2024, besides some Super Bowl feet commercials. My name is Bob, sitting across the way from my good friend and co-host. That's Abe. How you doing tonight, Abe? Doing well, Bob. Yeah, here we are. Lori's here too. How you doing tonight, Lori? How much were the boxes for the Super Bowl? They were expensive. Maybe Jesus would buy a couple of those. A couple of Super Bowl boxes. That's how Lori's doing. Tonight is Tuesday, February 13th, 2024. Fat Tuesday. Fat Tuesday. That's right. Before Ash Wednesday. What are you giving up for Lent this year, Abe? Uh, The same. Nothing. You're a man uh, who has gone on previous abstinence runs of uh, of various products. And, like, I remember you used to start the year with—you were doing dry January long before uh, most people were doing dry January. I forget what you called it. You had a name for the thing that you would do. It was like a— it was like a time of not abstinence because that's a, that that goes without saying. Uh, it was a time of uh, what is the thing when the government starts pulling in expenditures? They stop spending as much money as they as like they austerity, usually. Austerity, like a- yes, like a season of austerity. You would occasionally announce a season of austerity, and then. Uh, <laughs> And then not drink so much or something. That's right. And, uh, and it usually was like January. I, I the the dry January thing was, I it was a thing back then too. It just I guess wasn't as big. Is that but a like, phrase then? I don't remember dry January being a was. thing. Yeah. Certainly, certainly not in our house. It wasn't. Well, uh, the thing was, you know, I b- back then my drinking would warrant a break. You know, like yeah, there's a lot of drinking, especially during the the, the football months in, leading up to the end of the year. But now, like, my drinking has gotten to just whatever, just, you know, every now and again. And so, like, there wasn't a need, and I was like, I'm going to stop. Right, like a, like a grown-up, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I, I had a quick mention at the end of this evening's The Morning Press about the cultural similarity that it's, there seems to extend across cultures this notion of having a season of, of restraint, right. a season of some sacrifice and giving up, whether that's uh, the Lenten season for the the Catholics uh, and the and the other Christians. I don't know. I have no idea how what other sects of Christianity do with regard to Lent. But uh, the Catholics they don't eat the meat on Fridays, for example. That's right. uh, during that time, uh, we grew up doing that certainly. And then the the Muslims they do their whole the month of fasting. Ramadanathon. They don't call it that, but. Yeah. Uh, 
back <laughs> back in my top five uh, Muslim days, even though they they still persist, I argue. Like in high school, I would like wrestle when it like one year fell on Ramadan, and I on the on the wrestling team. To be clear, yes. you were yes. you were on it the high school wrestling part of a team. Structure, yeah. yes. In high school, they had a team. Right. We had wrestling meets, and like one year, it just fell along the same calendar. You know, the same month. Because it moved, we follow the moon or something, some weird system we got, uh, or the days, right. or whatever. Um, anyways, uh, yeah, there is a lot of that. I wonder where that comes from, like where every culture seems to have some sort of version of like... It comes from people indulging too much most of the yeah, year. Yeah, I Jesus. think it's just it's just obviously a good character-building exercise. But people and, uh, it's a... in the past, you know, they... There's been a lot of like famines and like people don't have a lot of money and like what is all this restriction? It's not like they were pl- living plentiful and they're like, oh, we need to dial this back. Like, it's not like every culture had they that. Clearly, were. Yeah, I think that they had a greater appreciation for what they had, and to them, uh, not dying was rather plentiful. Uh, and that was that was living the good life. And I'm so- never doing the things I want and consuming what I want ever. Like once in a while, I get to do a thing I want, and it's amazing. I don't need a whole designated month and a half to rub it in. Like, I'm unimpressed by giving things up for a designated period of time. I disagree. I think it's great. More people should do it. What are you giving up, Bob? I don't know. I haven't figured that out yet. I bet you won't. Did you give something up last year or the year before? No, but I, that's the other thing is that by the time we get to Lent in any given year, I've probably made some strange promises to myself at the start of the year anyway that are that are Lenten in spirit if they're not necessarily uh, something that I would choose to do just for this six-week period. Uh, you know, I've given up soda more or less wow. in the past. Like, you know, like I'm, const- I'm, a, I'm in a constant state. Of uh, of of progression towards the perfect version of myself, right? the the ultimate perfected version to come. I don't I'm know. They give up eating icing out of a cup. Yeah, Lori's uh, fingering frosting out of a. It's really good. Just, a ramekin. Is this where the fat too? Mardi Gras. Is this where, this where the fat too that comes in? Does get fat off of mm-hmm. the the indulgence, and then it's about the icing. Uh, we got. We got thoroughly mediocre takeout for dinner tonight in order to make money for the PTO, and that was our Fat Tuesday celebration. Oh, that. Live it, it up. A, a PTO fundraiser at, I mean, a C-minus national taco concern, which is what uh, Fuzzies is, just a maybe a half step above Taco Bell, I guess, except that your expectations are so much higher <laughs> than they would be going it, to a Taco Bell. It's both above and below because Taco Bell— decidedly worse than a Taco Bell experience. <laughs> Taco Bell tastes way better. Like it's all this— It's fast food in your face. If you can get past that smell of Taco Bell, which just... Uh, it just smells like a, a very particular duffel bag that it's I had it in high like school. Plastic. Like it smells like a, a, a plasticky it's duffel like a bag, plastic bag that's got my gym clothes in it. Uh, but so Fuzzies doesn't taste as good as that. But I'm not going to feel like garbage after eating it. Like this was much closer to actual food than Taco Bell. So it just depends on what you're looking for when you're making your grades. Taco Bell doesn't have this frosting though. Yeah. Speaking of the, actually, I don't know if this is, this probably not great uh, podcast content. I do not have to speak of the PTO right now. Never mind. Abe, I understand you were traveling this weekend. You did not 
uh, stay home. Where did you go? So I went down to New Orleans. You know, they're doing this Mardi Gras festivities, you know. Ah, uh, speaking of Mardi Gras. Uh, it was a lot of fun. I didn't obviously stick around for the actual Mardi Gras on Tuesday. Cause Wait, I should have guessed because you- it's, it's, it's hard for the listeners at home to see. But Abe is currently, uh, usually he'd be wearing a like a, a fun run uh, shirt that yes. he got for free. From uh, some some activity that he did yeah, like the in the long or ago past, Lie yeah. to the people. Uh, something like that. Uh, instead, tonight he's just sitting there, topless uh, and <laughs> draped with a copious amount of colorful plastic beads in order to hide his shame. Uh, okay, but I have a, a real question. Did you go to Carnival in Brazil? Yes, I did go to Carnival. So. You've been to like the two biggest. That is true. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Yeah, Mardi Gras celebrations in the world. The, Which one was better? The carnival in Brazil is like an obscene procession of people. I've never seen that many people at in one location. Like, like it must have been over a million. I've never been in a crowd like that. And apparently there were a lot of pickpocketers. I didn't have anything to pick, so I was doing great. Uh, I just had like a couple of dollars in cash and my ID, and that was it. But like, yeah, those pick those pickpocketers definitely don't ever want loose cash. <laughs> they, they they always they always turn down the loose cash whenever they come upon that. They reach in there as you're dancing and grinding on some rando, and they're like, oh oh, that's just loose paper in this guy's pocket. Wow. What would I do how with that? How dare he? What am I going to do with this bullshit? Uh, how dare you, Bob? <laughs> the loose cash was uh, situated in not easy to grab places. Uh, this was, oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry I brought it up. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, this, uh, Mark, on New Orleans, what I did not uh, know until I went, in, went there is that they have parades over and over and over again. It felt like I was like in a Black Mirror episode because I did not – do a lot of planning. I just kind of just like booked a Holiday Inn uh, like thing. I was like, oh, this is like right in the center of the city. I wanted to go to the World War II Memorial. Yeah, it's a literal nonstop parade. Right. But like, I was like, okay, this is a, a good walking distance kind of place, like a good area to be. And so I, when I got there, they're like, because of all of the parades, this hotel just sold off their parking to the highest bidder, and they're like, "Oh yeah, we usually allow parking, but like, not this weekend." And so, like, I oh, like found like a place to like some garage to park it for. Like, but basically, it was like, you, you know, I was there on Friday and I left on Monday. Those were the two days where I dropped off the car and picked it up. Like in between, I was without a. Oh, vehicle. that's really that's really nice. Right, not to not to have the car in the city, and, and you had no problem getting around. I did not have any problems. I mean, basically, every day. I mean, it was like I don't know. I didn't look at my counts or whatever, uh, my step counter or whatever, like on my phone. But like, there was a lot of walking to and from. I mean, right. a car would have been useless anyways because there was so much foot traffic and there were so many barricades that you really right. couldn't go anywhere even if you wanted to. But anyways, my hotel, I can, from my room, see the parades. And like, there were like three or four of them every day. Like, they would like do the whole thing. And it's just this weird thing where people are just clamoring for these beats. Like, it's very weird. Yeah. Oh, Yeah. Throw it to me, and uh, uh, I read an I, I read an article in the I think it was at the AP today. It didn't make the cut for the morning press. We didn't have internet for like sixteen straight hours there around here. There was no here. internet. What? Gerald, please help us. Randy, what happened? Our house. It has no internet. Oh my god. There was no internet. Was there some other uh, events? There was no internet. So a, a truck. 
uh, plowed into a large utility pole downtown and it knocked out our fiber internet for like all of Charlottesville for a period of time. Intentionally or some sort of accident? No, it was just an no, accident. There's no proof. It's probably a terrorist. <laughs> it was an accident. There was a there was a fire as a result, and it took a while for the power company to fix their problem, which then became then they made room for the uh, for the fiber internet people to fix their problem. Gotcha. Uh, anyway, I didn't have internet for a little while, and so the the morning press is a little bit shorter today than it has been certainly in the past few episodes. But yeah, this article at AP was talking about how the beads and all of the the plastic waste that comes from the Mardi Gras celebrations are, are getting out of control. And so, of course, they had to they talked to like an expert, mm-hmm. and they an expert is usually uh, some graduate student or maybe an associate professor at some very mediocre college somewhere around uh, wherever the thing is that's happening. And it's like, yes, uh, having studied. All of this plastic waste that is generated. Like, yeah, you didn't study the <laughs> fucking amount of plastic waste generated by the stupid necklaces. Uh, you know, we should consider other more useful objects like uh, – and they, they run through a couple of uh, other alternatives to the, the wasteful plastic beads, which, of course, they break. And then the, the things go down into the sewer and the stupid fish want to eat the fucking beads and that sort of thing because it, it washes out into Lake Pontchartrain and then eventually into the Gulf and it's all bad news, right? And then they interview this, this man on the street who's talking about how he didn't get any beads – but he has gotten uh, 15 foam footballs instead. And he's like, I don't know what I'm going to do with all these foam footballs either. Uh, and I think the article ends with like, but at least they won't go down the sewer. It's like, ah, ah, I don't know how much better this is. I don't know if that's an improvement. Uh, that's interesting. Uh, you mentioned the football, like uh, the footballs, because they weren't just throwing beads. They were throwing different size beads, but then also they were throwing like, Plastic cups. They're like throwing plastic cups at people, and if the wind hits it a certain way, like it would, it wouldn't land. It would just just fall on the ground. It was like very inefficient throwing. I saw. I I can pinpoint the, some of the trucks that were making those throws, but they, they were not landing. But it wasn't just beads. But by the end of the procession, there's just so much waste on the ground. Like everywhere you look, and they and the city. That was a, there was a photo a photo in this article that I read just showing the streets, yeah. and it's just a disgusting. It's mess. just a total mess. Like that the 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 biggest takeaway uh, that I saw from the 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 parades themselves is that there's a lot of waste, and also the businesses like that are around that area they guard their bathrooms like. It's like the most important thing. Like, no, no bodily fluids here. Like, fuck you, man. Like, oh, right. only paying customers. In some places, they even want paying customers. Like, no, you're not coming in here. Figure it out out there. They were like, this was like a recurring thing. They would have security. They they would go out of their way to make sure no one went in there to use their bathroom. You're a big uh, you're a big city guy. You like going to cities and yes. getting a feel for cities. Can you get a feel for a place like New Orleans when it's that sort of chaotic? No. Uh, like you, but I will yeah. no. go back on, on a regular. I wanted to kind of do the. I was going to do this for a couple of cities this year. One, the next one is going to be Chicago because I've never been to Chicago. I was trying to find like a weekend where a lot of things are happening, and then like come back when just a regular weekend and compare. But like the busy New Orleans looks a lot of fun. But like you can kind of see some of the wear. Some of the buildings look like zombie land. Like there are just a lot of just buildings that no one's using. City Hall looks like total shit. Like there's just a lot of 
like homeless people? It's just a, a like I, I wonder like if you take all the festivities away, like is it just that? Like in the city, right. no people really like it. What's that? People do like. Yeah, I think rich people. People really like New Orleans in the same way that uh, people really like Savannah. Okay. In in my experience, like, boy, Savannah sure is great. So yeah, if you live fucking in these six right. blocks, Savannah is wonderful. <laughs> I think that uh, it's if you live on bigger than Savannah, though, it is. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's much much bigger than Savannah. Yeah, but I'm saying that the feeling that I get from having heard people talk about both cities feels very similar to me. That like. Oh, it's so historic and beautiful and these old buildings. It's like, yeah, historic old buildings are great when you have uh, a bankroll of five and a half million dollars to keep them uh, kept I, no, up. I think, no, I think you have it a little wrong about New Orleans. All right. Like, I talk to a lot of people, like a lot. And yeah, a lot of them are rich people. But a thing they like about New Orleans is the parts that aren't just the rich people parts. Abel, tell, Abel go and find out for us. Yeah, I, I, whenever I go next, uh, I'll, I'll report back to see how it looks because, like, there's this, and also there's just so many people everywhere you go, you can't get a good sense of the, the lay of the land. The one disappointment uh, I will uh, say is that you know New Orleans is known as a big uh, music city, live live music, like jazz and all that, whatever. Yeah, jazz everywhere. A yeah. lot of because of maybe just the crowd, uh, they're like, oh, there's so many people. Maybe they don't like the music that the city is known for. They for some reason, a lot of the establishments decided to play like the music we make fun of on the show, like at the end with a billboard. Like, oh, look at this garbage that they're playing. So basically, they, they repurposed all of the places where they would play, like they would just pay, you know, 50 bucks for some band to come and play, but they just had like a DJ instead. And I, was, and I thought that was weird. Like, you would think that, why not just. Yeah, you just gotta, you gotta go back at not now. You gotta go back I at the normal time. I think most people would say. Don't go to New Orleans during Mardi right. Gras. Like that's kind of the, the general, general. <laughs> like I mean it's good you went cuz then you got to experience that. But like if you say when should I go to New Orleans? The first thing is like okay, find out when Mardi Gras is and don't go right. then. The, yeah, Mardi Gras and also like Super Bowl weekend. I mean the, I guess uh, the people that were there they're well, telling Jazz me Fest how, is the other one. How they uh their host in New Orleans is hosting the Super Bowl next year and I went to the Manning's bar and uh, it's a very nice setup, uh, this Manning's bar. Like uh, Eli's father owns it, or I don't know. I think he's associated with it. He has that other brother also. You know, there's a lot of pictures of Sports Illustrated and ESPN, the magazine coverage and all that, like everywhere, like everywhere you look. Right. Uh, a lot of memorabilia. And uh, the the way that it's set up, you know, most sports bars, it's just like a bar, like a restaurant, you know, like style setup. Uh or just a bar, and they just have a bunch of TVs. And this place had that, but they also had it to where they they had a whole section where it was just a bunch of theater-style seats. Nice. Like a lazy boy kind of thing. And there's, I don't know, there's like 20 of them. Like, there's not that many, but like there's like 20, and that they're faced great. towards a big, big screen. And so like... Nice. But it was it that's what I think that sports books look like in that's Vegas. That's right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Okay, that's actually a good point. I did go to Vegas before and yes, they had something like that. Although Vegas is like on a different level cuz they have so much going on. But like this one it was like a big like screen and you could watch the game and they had like TV screens everywhere. Like that that one was good. The real quick the 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 one Mardi Gras Non-related. Can I? I gotta. I gotta stop you there. You you went to New Orleans and you put money in Peyton Manning's pocket. <laughs> Not is what Peyton you're telling Manning's me. Archie Manning. <laughs> do you? Do you mean to suggest that Peyton Manning has no end 
in Archie Manning's restaurant. There's literally no chance that Archie built that thing from the ground up <laughs> with his own money. He got an investment from his very uh, smart investing son, will, uh, Peyton Manning. Now that you bring it up, there was one part, one aspect of the Manning's sports bar experience that is reminiscent of Peyton Manning. So this, I, I you know, Super Bowl is a big sporting event. I get it, right? But this place knew that there was going to be a Super Bowl, right? And they opened their doors to the customers who were there to watch the Super Bowl. 30 minutes before the game started, 30 minutes before kickoff, they were so overwhelmed that they had to stop temporarily taking any more food orders so they can catch up. And they did that at least on three other occasions throughout the game. So they would like, oh, my God, there's too much. And then like an hour later, okay, okay, I'll be like an hour wait, but we'll take your wing order. And then like. 30 minutes later to say, oh, never mind. I don't understand. Surely there's like a uh, – the fire department has a maximum number of people who are allowed into the building, They right? don't give a shit. And so – I don't – you know what? That's a good point because they don't – I don't know. Like so they have like a courtyard set up. So like they have the indoors and then they have right. like a courtyard set up where they have a big screen out there too. And I don't know if the fire marshal is like, oh, since there's p- more people that can go out there, we don't care. I don't know. There were just so many people – uh, I'm glad that I got there like early enough to get seated and just befriend some people there, so I can go pee and come back and my seat right. isn't stolen. But like, there were way too many people. But still, you should be able to come. Like, I don't know. I've never run a restaurant or a bar. Would it have helped if they just minimized the menu? Like, maybe just don't have so many options. It's like I was just doing wings and like one other thing, and then right, absolutely. That is exactly how you get through basically anything. The problem is that. That can be difficult to accomplish when you have an online ordering system that is fucking with you. So if they have any sort of ability to like DoorDash or anything like that, that can that can immediately overwhelm everything I because see. it's just completely out of goddamn control. Yeah. That the only defense that I that we had at Domino's at the end there was to turn off the internet. Like the only the only thing you <laughs> there could was do, no internet. You just had to go back there and pull the plug on the thing. Uh, because otherwise you were just you were just toast and like on game days and stuff like as it's one thing well whatever I don't want to get into stupid restaurant management theory <laughs> well they could have uh, used some of that and and uh, maybe Peyton Manning was like pops I have the kitchen and uh, he was running the kitchen on that Sunday <laughs> that was the yeah, problem. that's what Peyton Manning was <laughs> that doing was he, on that's the what Super he Bowl. was doing on the Super Bowl was worried I'm sure there were there were 11 Mannings in the building on that day that you were there just to make sure that the restaurant was was running properly. The kitchen operation had all the hallmarks of Peyton Manning, so I'm just going to say that. But uh, I, <laughs> and in the in the playoffs, no that's less. That's right in the playoffs. And well, meanwhile, I'm watching the fucking Mahomes just doing things with ease. Anyways, uh, I, I did this out of order. I, I did want to mention uh, the the best part of New Orleans is uh, they have this World War II museum or memorial or whatever it I've is. heard so, yes I've heard everyone loves that museum. it's a really nice I mean obviously bad things happened at the war but like uh that was a long time ago like the, just uh, the, the stuff that they have is like they did a very good job of like curating all the things that they needed to and they have like all of the different interactive options but the best part was that they have like a short film like 40 minutes long at, and they bill it as a 4d experience right not just 3d but 4d and Tom Hanks. Do they spray you with water? They do like a mist thing, but it's not just that. The, the shaky seats, but they also like they have like certain like the the front end of a uh, of, of a plane will come down from the 
from they have it on strings, oh. and then it would it would it would be positioned just so to where it looks like it's part of the whole thing. Like so, like the, you see that the screen is showing part of the plane, and then you actually have the actual front of the plane in front of you, and it just kind of works together very well. Like I I, I still don't know how that's a fourth dimension. I'm, I, I, I I disagree. Yeah. yeah. That's that the is, fourth dimension, airplane. That is definitionally the Length, third dimension. With height, airplane. What's confusing? They they, they would uh, they would show like scenes where they were like uh, in a jungle somewhere, like on some island, uh, heading towards Japan, and then they would do some mist. They, they did a good job. Again, I, don't ask me how that constitutes a fourth dimension, but whatever. Uh, they did a good job. Halfway through, I was thinking like, did James Cameron produce this? Because like, it was so well done. Like it was a very well shot, and and. Tom Hanks. Also, also humidity. Humidity is not a dimension right. either. Uh, all right. So it is. Water. water airplane. Uh, yeah. See, that's a, man, a lot of woman, stuff. Woman. Television. A lot of things. There was like some like uh, smoke that came out, and like when the they dropped the nuclear bomb, like the seats were. They did. I'm telling you. Uh, I think it's called Beyond, Beyond All Boundaries. It was. I think they have multiple different shows you can choose from. The one that I saw was beyond. I've decided all I don't boundaries. do depressing things on vacation. Yes, it can Never. be depressing, but um, not doing it. Tom Hanks, when he appeared, is like, wow, this must have been filmed a long time ago because, like, he looks like twenty years ago. Tom Hanks, like, it's like, ah, right. it's me. Like, I don't know. I guess they never updated it, but like, he just looks so young compared to how he looks now. But the whole thing was well done. I would highly recommend anyone go see it, unless you don't like depressing stuff. Nope. Cool. Uh, a fun and uh, successful weekend, yes. it sounds like. Overall, like I said, it's a, it's a nice little town they have. I'll go back when it's a normal weekend and see how it's like. All, um, unrelated to New Orleans, on the way to New Orleans and on the way back, there was a – I've never really kept count before, but it just – I noticed it this time. There's a lot of roadkill. There's like dead deer and dead – there's just so many dead things. On the roads. Is this uh, in particular on which part of your journey? Uh, like, like in, in, the, in Louisiana the, the, or the Mississippi stretch? Basically, it's like it's like the gotcha. second you leave the Atlanta part, everyone always talks about how awful that drive is. Yes, it's very awful. Like getting you go to Atlanta and then you make a right, and it's like the worst drive. It's, yeah, it is got to be the roughest stretch of road. Like in, I mean, I don't know. I've never been to the middle of the country, but like. Yeah, I don't know if I don't. I haven't driven out that direction, but one of the worst drives I've ever been on was driving from Atlanta to uh, was it Indianapolis or St. Louis? But uh, like driving from Atlanta into the middle of the country is also just miserable. Like it's just nothing for ever, and flat and nothing to look at, and yeah, yeah, not great. Uh, Did you? You didn't stop in Mississippi, right? No, no, no. I did stop at. Auburn, uh, they have a Bucky's. You know these uh, Buck. I don't know. If yes. you did the, the, the What did you think? Needlessly, the theme park. The theme park of gas stations. Needlessly big gas station. I mean, I've been there before, uh, but like they. I don't think I've ever seen one. You've never. No, we don't go to those places. Because like I think it started out like in Texas, and now they've branched out some some of the other states, right? And they've. I guess they're all mm-hmm. the way now to Alabama. I think that oh, we also have one in Georgia, North, Georgia, somewhere in, in Georgia. Uh, but like, yeah, it's very. It's this ridiculously sized gas station. Uh, they have a lot of like 
merchandise for some reason. There's there's a lot of it. Um, they have some brisket sandwiches. I got one. Uh, nice. But no, it's really nice. I mean, I, it just so happened that my gas was running <laughs> it's low. really nice. And I was like, they have these, <laughs> they have their advertisements were like in 300 miles. You're going to hit a buck. He's like, okay, I'm going to keep that in mind. 300 miles. What <laughs> yeah. the fuck? <laughs> I'm jealous. Yeah, but no, it's nice. I, and I, I, I hit it both times because it's, it's, it's the same buckies. So I went to the same one. I saw a uh, a thing online recently about like Bucky's salary and like the general manager of a Bucky's earned like a quarter million dollars or something. Really, like it's uh, it's it's good money. Yeah, well, they deserve it. There's a lot. There's a lot of foot traffic. Every it doesn't matter when you go. There's just always people. They clean their bathrooms. Yeah. They make a big show of like go. how clean their bathrooms are, and they were. Okay. I'm all for that. Uh, more places should be proud of clean bathrooms. That is that is totally fine. Uh, some of the worst experiences of being in public... Bob's real picky with yeah. bathrooms. ...is experiencing a particularly filthy bathroom. I mean, there are restaurants that like I would just refuse to eat at knowing what their bathroom was like. Not because I worried uh, that I would have to use the bathroom. It, it wasn't like a desperate situation sort of question, but like... If this is what the bathroom looks like, oh, that they that they allow all of their customers to use and see, what's behind the kitchen door uh, that they're not telling us? The, uh, I guess because of all of the merchandise that they have and all the different things you can buy from there, they have uh, they they don't they don't make a big show of it, but you can see if you're looking for it. They have like metal detectors like. As you're going into the bathrooms and and back and out, like it's like when you walk. That's a in. lot of places. So, yeah, but it's the bathrooms are like well cared for, and they're the types where it's like all enclosed. So you're not like you're not you can't play like if you're a senator, you couldn't play footsie with anybody. It, it right. it's all enclosed. Oh, all like the way. full stall all by yourself. Yeah, it's like a, some of the airports they have it like set the up walkers that way. bathrooms, and they have the vacant That's sign, nice. and you can kind of visually see which doors are being used and which ones are open they do a good thing a good job do you have any idea how much more popular this podcast would be if we became a we review public bathrooms oh podcast God, let's do that if, instead if that was if that was the entire thing right bucky's uh store number 1879 is where abe went this God. weekend and he's going to tell us about the bathrooms Let's there. Let's quit our jobs. And on the way home, he stopped at a Shoney's. And the Shoney's on 55 West, uh, wherever the fuck that would be, uh, has got a bathroom no, that you wouldn't believe. And that's the I'm bonus quitting. content for that episode. I'll tell my boss the, tomorrow. The free episode is just Abe detailing the 1879 Bucky's, But the bonus content is that he also stopped at a Shoney's right. uh, along the way. <laughs> This would be, this would be huge. Why aren't we doing that? Why am I slaving away behind a chair all day? All I, 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 listen, listen, I'm the ideas man. I've got endless no, ideas. No, you also have a podcast. Four podcasts and only so much time in my life to make them. Yeah. Uh, I'll take anybody out there want to make that podcast. I will, I will sell you that idea for I a mere make that podcast. A more twenty five, a mere twenty five percent of the eventual cut. That's all I demand. <laughs> uh, all right, let's talk about the Super Bowl. Uh, it's uh, it's been a couple days now. Uh, do you want to start? See with what we can the remember. Good news, or do you want to end with the good news? What do you mean? 
your good news about the Super Bowl. Oh, no, Bowl. We'll, we'll get to that in a minute. Ooh, okay, good news. Um, Look at this. Super Bowl was a great deal of fun, in my opinion. Uh, obviously, the Chiefs win. Uh, if somehow, uh, for some reason, you are not one of the uh, 200 million people who tuned in to watch at some point during the broadcast and uh, have decided that you don't care about the outcome of the Super Bowl so much that you have now arrived some point late Wednesday or Thursday morning when you're listening to this show, that you do not know the result of the Super Bowl. Uh, <laughs> The Chiefs won 25-22 to 22 in overtime. It was so fun. It was a very fun game. The uh, beginning of it, I, I saw some grumbling that there it was, was a— There was grumbling. That, there was a, that it was a bad game. I disagree. Me I, too. I, I recognize that it was a defensive struggle uh, to some extent yes. in the first half. But th- we're not talking about like that garbage Super Bowl from a few years ago that was like—was uh, that the Panthers and the, and the Patriots? That finished know. like thirteen to three or something like that. Like the there whole was some... game was thirteen to three. Or yeah, yeah. There was a Super Bowl where they didn't score a nobody scored a touchdown until like the fourth quarter. Oh wow! And it was I'm pretty sure that was the the Patriots. I'll find out I mean, Patriots for you. Panthers, Panthers happened like in 2003. Like seriously. no. The pa- yeah, yeah no. What was the Cam New- What was the Cam Newton Super Bowl? That, yeah, that on, that I'm was the Broncos, it. and uh, that was the one that uh, the defense of the Broncos. Uh, Denver twenty four, Carolina ten. Yeah, that was the that one was where Peyton Manning did nothing, and he still won a Super Bowl again. Right. Well, so is thirteen to three a, a score that I made up? Is that not a Super I mean, Bowl score? Wasn't there just there a, a forty three to eight involving Denver? How high scoring was the game with the Bengals? That was that wasn't that high scoring either. A few years ago. No, that was twenty three twenty. Okay. Oh, sorry, not the pan. I, I the the colors were messing me up. It was the uh, the Patriots Rams was a thirteen to three game. Okay. That was twenty nineteen Super Bowl fifty three. That was not a fun Super Bowl. That no. was the one where wow, I must have memory hold that. That was just like five years ago. Yeah, because it was so boring. It, it was three nothing in at the half, and the game finished thirteen to three, and that was that was the Jared Goff year okay. for the. Mm. For the Rams, when it was like, man, but, we've got a hell of a team here and a pretty good defense, and this Jared Goff guy who uh, is not going to get it done, yeah. so we got to figure but something else out. But what you were saying was it's not like – I feel like the past several Super Bowls have been not living up to their billing. Like not everybody played their best, and maybe it's because it's the end of the season and everybody's tired. But like I've been underwhelmed by the Super Bowl part of the Super Bowl, like the actual gameplay, most of the time. Well, this I don't know, year we had was the, great. The Rams had the the last minute comeback to win the game. But right? I'm talking like, about the whole game. Right. Sure, that's true. That was not a great. That, that's that, what I'm talking that about. Was not a great not game your either. feelings. Yeah, yeah. No, I know. I'm, I'm just. That's the thing is that when you look back and remember them, oftentimes there are exciting finishes. Yeah, as but this I one remember did. things better. And no, what no, I remember. No. Jesus Christ! I'm agreeing with you. Okay. Uh, <laughs> When you look back and remember the games, you might remember them more fondly because you're just remembering Matthew Stafford had a really fun finish to that game. Right. But yes, Lori's right. That was sort of a lame Super Bowl until the the moment that was exciting. I disagree with the assessment that this was a bad game until it no, got interesting at the end. The I thought it time. was a great game the whole time. Yeah. So from what I remember, I mean, I'm watching this at a bar. There were drives that stalled because of turnovers, right? Like McCaffrey had one. Yeah. And then uh, after like a ridiculous throw by Mahomes, it was like a 50-yard like throw. And you're like, oh, man, they're about to score. And then like 
for some reason they uh, I forget who the player was, but he fumbles and now it's the other way. And then Mahomes. It was our guy. It was. It was, it was Pachoco. Uh, no. I thought it was Nicole Hardman 10? who fumbled. He fumbled in the last game. Right, Nicole fumbled not. In this game, he fumbled yeah. in the last game. It was it was Pachoco who fumbled down there after the long completion right. down the so so the score down to Mecole. Yeah, so the score could have been. I think you're right. I mean, overall the 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 score told one story, but like if you're watching the game, it was it was competitive. The defenses were playing great, and then like that second half was really good into the overtime. I thought like it, the game built. Yes, it definitely built to, towards more excitement, but I found the action compelling the entire right. time through. And in part, that's because Kansas City was trailing, and like that was building. For me, I had some money on the game, for one thing, so I'm like, that, that makes it more intense to begin with. But also, like the fact that they're behind, it's like we know they're going to make a run, yeah. and that, that itself is exciting, knowing that there's no chance that they're not at least going to make a run at this, and then, of course, it happens. I was, uh, I was watching the game with some uh, 49ers fans. Actually, this one guy in particular, um, uh, he's, he's like a umpire or ref um, who's retired now, but like he did like college baseball, whatever, uh, but he's like from Michigan, uh, he's a Michigan man who was talking up about Michigan a lot. Uh, we had a lot of talk about that. And then, like, he moved to this is This is my year. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a Michigan man, and I'm a big fan of the 49ers. That, yeah, yep. and I was like, how did you like that Niners-Lions? Like, oh, the Lions were ne- are never going to win in my lifetime. Like, he just, like, he's, I guess he just right. gave up on, on, on them. But, like, when the the Niners went up, like, 10 nothing, I was like, because earlier I was telling him, I was like, you know, the Shanahan has been, like, oh for whatever whenever they would – go into a deficit like when they're down they can never come back from being down and the last two weeks they did it they went down against the Packers and came back and they went down against the Lions big and they came back and so like right. I think they figured that out and then like when they went up I was like oh no this is like a whack-a-mole no, no. thing where like they figured this one thing out and then this other thing is like when they went up 10 nothing I was right, like because oh, man. you say that you say that his teams have never come back his teams have also uh, choked away ten point leads <laughs> in every. It's in, remarkable. In, like at least a ten point lead in all three Super Bowls that he's been involved. It in. is remarkable. Like a poor Kyle Shanahan. Holy shit! I mean, to be. I mean, if you're. I don't know why I had never. I had never made the Kendall uh, Roy from Succession connection before, <laughs> and I like I just te- it's like like not to go into the anatomy of a joke here, but I just texted it out on Sunday. I was like Kendall <laughs> Kendall fucking Shanahan, it's perfect. And I texted it to you, and I texted it to Naveed, and I was and I think I even texted it to my brothers because I was just so fucking yeah. pleased with myself. I was like, ah, it's perfect. He even looks like that guy, and he's the son, and he he keeps fucking failing, true. and he like everything. It's just perfect. And then I Google. Kendall Shanahan and fucking a hundred thousand oh, people have already made the joke, and it's it's like it's it's so frustrating. It's I've, like that happens to me so often, and it and it's become it's going to become a, a more of a problem now that I have like a daily news podcast that I'm trying to do, which is like if I come up with something that I think is clever and good, first of all, I I you cannot Google to find out if someone else has made the joke. The answer is because always either yes. they'll yeah. like worst case scenario is they have made the joke way better than you have right oh, yeah. and they, like they, they they tweaked it in some way that it's way better I, uh, we're so different i would love for someone else to make my joke i know but i was just so pleased with the kendall shanahan thing because like if someone else was like glampianship weekend oh, i'd be like fuck yes <laughs> fuck yes thank you uh 
No, I, I wanted to be the one who came up, and it's, it's such an obvious thing too. Like I, I shouldn't have expected that no one else had come up with it before. Uh, but it, yeah, no, it's but everywhere out yeah, there. It's, and, they, and they showed the old the old man, didn't he? Like he he he's seen better days. Yeah, Shanahan was there watching from above. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Brock Purdy was great. Uh, right. As, as far as a Brock Purdy can be, like he made. I mean, uh, you look at his final stat line, and it's not spectacular. It's uh, twenty three of thirty eight for two hundred and fifty plus yards. And and one touchdown, no interceptions, but he was better than that stat line indicates, right? Like, yeah. and, I, and I know that he doesn't he doesn't tend to throw the ball downfield all that much, but when he needed to, he was he was converting third downs. They were they were moving the ball just fine. Uh, I thought that if one thing that Shanahan screwed up was it felt like in the middle part of that game they got away from McCaffrey, and, which is uh, another Shanahan bleeding. special, right? When 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 the Falcons were up. Uh, they also moved away from running the ball and they were throwing the ball too much. W- wasn't uh, Purdy like 40 attempts or something approaching 40 attempts? Yeah, just shy of 40, yeah. Right. So like one of the criticisms that I saw after the game, I mean, obviously you, people always want to find a reason, you know, uh, and they're like, oh, you, you lost because of this. Sometimes you just lose. I mean, it was a back and forth game. It could have ended either way. Uh, but like, yeah, apparently he didn't keep with the running. Like your best player is McCaffrey. Even if you do some, you know, some gimmick play like they did with that touchdown where they threw it one way and then they threw it back to McCaffrey for the run. And that's the thing. All of that was working so well for them in the way that, like, it has to work if you're going to beat the Chiefs, right? Like, in in the same way that uh, uh, when we lost – or the way that Michigan played against – Alabama, and then also the way that they played in the championship game after that is like everything that they needed to have, they got. Yeah. And it, it it sort of worked in that same fashion for San Francisco up until the point, whether it's Dark Brandon or the, the vast uh, left-wing conspiracy yeah. reaches out and like laser eyes Greenlaw's knee as he's jumping back onto what the field. What was that? Uh, oh, man. They have they have two non-contact injuries oh. to their like their most important player on defense, and then uh, uh, Debo was it Debo or the other one who tweaked his knee? Debo got hurt, but then he came back in. Yeah, Debo got hurt, but then he came back in. But that was also on a non-contact thing. Like just bizarre the injuries that they had in that game. Yeah, that was bizarre. And then you know the 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 punt that hit the like there were, yeah there were a couple of plays like that like the punt that hit the kid's leg. And they like, right. I, I, I'm watching that happen, and I'm like, I'm screaming at the TV, like, what are you doing? Why are you going after that ball? Because when we saw it live, it looked like the the person who was receiving the punt had fucked it up. Right. Right. Like he tried to field a ball that was bouncing weirdly for no reason that he obviously should have ignored. But in fact, on the replay, you see it hits off the other guy's ankle, and he has to get it, right. or else it's going to be the Chiefs' ball. And by the way, uh, there's a moment in this game where one understood that this was not going in the way that the executives at CBS would want it to go just in terms of an exciting game uh, because the score just wasn't equaling the um, to me the amount of fun that was being had uh, by watching it but he goes uh, Jim Nance at one point goes uh, before a punt uh, perhaps Chris Conley will make another terrific play <laughs> on this on this punt it's like so a third straight three and out for the Niners. Let's see if Conley can do something downfield. He has on the last two punts. 
if we are now in the if we're in the second or third quarter of this game reaching for maybe a spe- a, a wide receiver journeyman will make an exciting tackle on this play you're really stretching to try to get the audience excited for what's going on uh, yeah. But yeah, Conley made a uh, former Georgia Bulldog. Conley had a couple of nice plays in this Huge game. Huge nerd. Yeah. Uh, had. There are a lot of Georgia players that did well. Yeah, yeah Mecole has Mecole the, got the game ball. Yeah. The I game learned winner. on Twitter today. We should talk about the way that the game ended, I suppose. We should uh, talk about halftime. Oh, yeah. We, we, well, we'll talk about that. We'll get to the pop culture stuff afterwards. But the as far as the game goes. This fucking Mahomes guy was like, on, like it just, you can just... Just body language, like oh, this, this, he's gonna find some way. He'll he ran a lot, a surprising number of yards by him. Like it, it was like Lamar. I mean, and not he as looks fast. like shit when he runs too. Yeah, so it's impressive. <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> he has such a bizarre way of moving. Yeah, and it's I mean, and not to harp on it, but San Francisco looked like the better team in the first half. Yes, like everything that they were doing on defense was working. They had they had completely shut down the Kansas City offense. It's not like Mahomes was particularly bad. Right. And by the way, not to complain about announcers too much, but I got to the halfway point of this game and realized I had no idea why the Kansas City Chiefs thing wasn't working. Like Nance and Romo did a very poor job of explaining what exactly was going on that wasn't working. Like I didn't know if the secondary was doing a particularly That's good true. job. Like because yeah. you, you, you can see what's happening with the lines. Like you, but because of the way that they show these games, you don't see the protection in the secondary unless they go out of their way to show it to you. And they weren't doing that. Right. So like I, I had no idea essentially what was going on and why the game was going the way that. That it was going, except that San Francisco was dominating both sides of the line of scrimmage. Like that, w- that was obvious. It was less obvious to me what was going on in the secondary, and that was frustrating from a couple of guys who should know better in terms of uh, uh, building them. the narrative of they, the game. I assume they have producers and people at the truck. You know, somebody like would like maybe we should give some context to like how they're effective. Like. Right. And I've now seen like twice in the last couple of weeks people complaining about the, the chemistry between these two. And it's it's a criticism that I completely agree with. Like Nance and Romo just don't ever seem to be like they're clearly not buds. Like they don't fucking hang out outside of this. I mean, like, like they hang out <laughs> at the production Nance, meeting. You hanging out Tony Romo? Yeah, I was watching a, a video of him interviewing George... Uh, w. Bush in like 2004 before the Super Bowl uh, for a, a post that I'm working on for the website. And not that he was old then, like he's obviously much older now, but he was like in his like early 50s or something back then, right? Like he looked like a late 40s, early 50s, kind of like fully mature news guy right. in 2004. That was a very long time ago. And he does a fine job. I just, he's never. Because the, the old criticism that he had in the booth with Phil Sims is that uh, he and Sims never quite connected, right? Like, right. and people would make fun of Sims for being kind of a dummy, and maybe he was. Uh, but uh, being a dummy doesn't keep you from being an engaging and insightful uh, color man right. on a on a broadcast. Look at Troy fucking Aikman. Troy Aikman is a wooden dummy, but he and Joe Buck 
have a certain rapport that makes the broadcast really work, right? Like you sort of, and, and Joe Buck has gotten better at this through the years too, but like they obviously have a relationship where they enjoy one another's company. This like uh, 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 grandpa Jim Nance and uncle Tony just doesn't quite work. I am, and, and I don't know how they fix it except to just like send Nance out to pasture and bring somebody else in. Maybe Google is lying to me, but I am shocked. Jim Nance is is younger than Chris Collinsworth. He's sixty four years old. I thought he was like pushing seventy. Easy. He's oh, I would have put him at I, I would have put him at like seventy three, seventy four. Yeah. Yeah, he's like Kevin Harlan's age. He's like like uh, that's remarkable. That's interesting. What uh, I think this happened like earlier in the game. I know we're going towards the overtime period, but what did you make of uh, your boy Travis Kelsey like uh, assaulting uh, old coach? Like remember when he's got yeah that was a that was upset? quite a moment where he he sort of shows up and screams at uh, at Andy Reid on the sideline after the fumble and I guess like Romo in the moment was like here's what he's doing he's walking over there and he's mad because he got taken out of the play because it was going to be a run play and so rather than leave him out there they bring in another tight end to give uh, Kelsey a breather because he's. He's not old, but he's getting older. He's on the back, certainly the back end of his career at this point. And Romo's theory was that he went over there and was like, keep me in, keep me in no matter what, because uh, Romo is insisting that the guy who got away to swipe the ball out of Pacheco's hand was, was the guy that Kelsey would have been blocking. I guess that's a that's a perfectly plausible theory. I haven't read anything about it, and I don't think that they revealed necessarily what they uh, what they were saying that, that, that. what they were actually saying to one another. And it's certainly not a good look. Right. But you know, I don't know. Like they, Andy Reid is such a uh, an affable kind of guy, and obviously has a tremendous relationship with his football players. Right? Yeah. Like they they seem to very much love him, and he uh, he obviously likes his dudes. So. Like, to me, that's just a little bit of something that it, it would happen behind closed doors right. and nobody would think twice about it. But because it happened on the field and because he caught him by surprise and almost half knocked him over and sort of knocked him off balance, it uh, it looked worse than it Right. Than it I think was. I think that explanation does track. I mean, obviously, who knows what actually happened. But and it could be, like, his upset because, like, don't do me any favors. I'm not that, you know, like, put me in there. Like, you're not, you're not doing this for my benefit. Just like I can handle it. There's no game next week anyway. Like, what are we talking about? We're right. off for the next few months. So just keep me in. But yeah, uh, uh, back to the end of the game now. So we get to overtime. And first of all, I thought that the Chiefs made a, a strange decision where with six seconds to go, they elected to kick the field goal on third down, right? So it's third down. Or maybe was it second down? I don't know. But, but they, they, it, they had, had an, an additional down. Yeah, no matter what, they yeah. had at least one additional down with an opportunity to. Uh, uh, in nine seconds. No, six seconds. Six seconds. They they it's got not a lot of time. They got down there with ten seconds, and then they ran one play and got it down to six seconds. And it was a question of whether or not they were going to chance running another play or running Butker out there uh, to attempt to kick a twenty-nine yard field goal and tie it. And, like, I know that uh, the vast majority of NFL kickers are going to hit that kick, like, 95% of Unless the time, Unless it gets right? blocked, and, yeah, and, basically, it's right. going in. And, and Butker is great, and it's, in all likelihood, it's going in, uh, and you have nothing to worry about. But you can win the fucking Super Bowl, and are you telling me there's not a play in your playbook? You're the Kansas City Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and, and the other talent that they have on that team— 
that you are absolutely confident that if you just snap it uh, in a shotgun to Mahomes and you tell him you get you it's a it's a three step like slide out or something or a quick slant and either you throw it to the guy or you throw it through the back of the end zone and then we have time to get one more playoff like to me it was crazy so- to not try to win the game uh, before kicking the field goal, do you do you think that the more accommodating overtime rules played a role to say like let's not press the issue here? We could go for it here, but like, what if we turn the ball over and we lose right here? What like we can kick the ball, get the tie, go into overtime, and because of I'm the sorry, way that this it's isn't this isn't Russell Wilson here, this isn't right. uh, Ryan Tannehill down there, right? Right? This is Patrick Mahomes, right? If you're if like you can trust. And that was arguably the reason that they lost this, that, that, that San Francisco lost this game is because Shanahan did not have confidence in Brock Purdy to make the sort of throws that you need a quarterback to make in big moments in order to go out there and win this fucking game, right? right. Like as good, as good and solid as Brock Purdy was, they weren't putting the game on his shoulders because he's not that kind of guy. Right. Right. Like he got them there, but he's not going to get them. He's not going to be the one who gets them over the hump. Patrick Mahomes is that guy. And to me, like, I mean, I granted it all worked out and you're right. There is a, there's more, there's, it's less of a uh, arbitrary situation in overtime than it ever has been before. Uh, And you, uh, you would presume if you're the chiefs in part because we have Patrick Mahomes, we are automatically advantaged going into an overtime period. But like, you have an opportunity to just win the game right now, right. and to me, it's crazy that you don't take at least you don't take the one shot at it because you do. You have time. So, I, so I don't the, believe so, that you don't have time. So to that point, so I always thought, you know, I don't know where they cut it off, but like you, you don't want to be inside five seconds, right? Like inside five seconds, you don't have. Right, I agree. Five seconds, right. I probably kick it. So I wonder I, if they're just like okay, six seconds. One more second, though. What if? But you have that. That one second is all you need. So what because if, uh, my, unless something goes weird, I don't know. So you drop. You I drop like that, the field goal. You throw the ball, and then it gets tipped. But it didn't land. You know, like any goofy thing could happen. I wonder if they're just like, yeah, we could go for it. But we have so many other outs, like maybe we don't need to press here. Just take the points, go to overtime, and then win there. I just know I just know that if they had not won this game in overtime, that, that would have oh, been seen as definitely. as unforgivable. Yeah, but they right? did. And right, also, and ultimately how- they win. I'm just saying, like in the in the alternate history here, yeah. like you you completely forget about the fact that they had an opportunity to just win the game at the end at the end, and they elected not to. And maybe it could just be another thing where like they have like those two point plays that they uh, you know that they practice a lot. They're like, okay, this will always work. Maybe they were too far back to try those kind of plays. I don't know. I think it was a combination of factors to lead them to say. Let's just be a little conservative here and win it later. But yeah, had had it had they failed in overtime, that would have been the decision. Just like now that they won it, like the Niners were getting criticized for the decision to receive the ball. What was the issue that I heard after the game? Right. So yeah. going going in going into overtime, and and we should explain the the overtime rules. It which is are, almost ten o'clock. Apparently. The 49ers, the bulk of the team, didn't understand the overtime rules. Now, in to some extent, uh, it doesn't matter uh, from yeah, the players' perspective. Yeah, like they're matter. just as long as the, the coaches team doesn't need to. Right, the team doesn't need to know as much as the as long as the coaches are clear on the situation. Didn't they say Mikol didn't uh, know either? Like he didn't know that the game ended when he scored the touchdown. He wasn't sure. Right, okay. Mikol wasn't too certain either. Neither yeah. were we. 
No, I, I knew that the game was over. I wasn't sure if they were going to have to kick the extra point or not, but we'll get to that in a second. If you are, so the way that the overtime used to work is that, I mean, most people know this, obviously, but in the playoffs, it's different. But it used to be that you, both teams would have an opportunity p- to possess the ball if the first team didn't score a touchdown, right. right? So if team one kicks a field goal, then team two gets a possession. But if team one scores a touchdown, then the other guys never get to see the ball, right. which then and an argument can be made that it is because of Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady that such well, a rule exists. No, it, um, Josh Allen. That, that too, yeah. They, My they, Twitter they said Josh, Josh Allen out. died so we could get better overtime, right, overtime right. But, rules. But what I mean is Patrick Mahomes did it to Josh yeah. Allen in the right. same way that Tom Brady did it to the Atlanta Falcons, where in that in the Falcons Super Bowl, the Falcons never got the ball right. in overtime because uh, the Patriots won the toss, and then Brady uh, inevitably, as was as was guaranteed to happen, walked them straight and, down the field and, and scored that defense the touchdown. Was gas, to be fair, the Falcons defense were right, done. totally done, yeah. totally done. And uh, and Mahomes had done it in similar fashion to Josh Allen's Bills, uh, so that they decided we need to adjust the playoff rules for overtime such that instead of it being a sudden death in that fashion that both teams are going to get to possess the ball no matter what but so when did these were these the rules all year so this no, was only playoffs the rules. though right so regular season was still the old rules right playoffs like, okay right regular season is the same the playoffs now a touchdown does not end the game in overtime instead the second team has an opportunity to possess the ball and go tie it or win it. They would be permitted to, and this is the only wrinkle. This is the only part that I'm not uh, sure what I would have done in Shanahan's position because obviously with the old overtime rules, you always want, if you win the yeah. toss, you want the yeah. ball because then you, you have the opportunity to score a touchdown and win the game. In this one, it becomes a question of do you want to have to match what the other team did or do you want to have the first go at it to try to put yourself up uh, a score uh, a, a touchdown and force them to then score a touchdown to tie right. you. i think i lean towards doing what shanahan did i think i want the ball to go down and and try to put seven on the board knowing that then the, all of the pressure is on the other team to go down and and match you so somebody would like trying to compare it to college football like in the decision making process even though you start at the 25 instead of being like a regular kickoff but like they're like since both of us are going to get the ball no matter what you want to know what you need to do and so why well, not except do- that yeah. there's no it, it, i agree in the college situation y- you rather know what you have to do but this only works once right, right. like w- if you score a touchdown and then they score a touchdown the next point wins so uh you don't have to worry about going matchy 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 right. it's just we score they score we're going to get the ball back and then we're going to win the fucking game right. that has to be the mindset so the, right the, the this could be just bullshit, but some of the Chiefs players, at least, I, I don't know who it was, but they said, like, had the Niners scored a touchdown instead of a field goal, the, the Chiefs, had they scored a, a touchdown, they would have gone for two instead of, you know, trying to... I think, And I think that's absolutely the right play. And what the Chiefs players were saying is, like, we have we'd talked about this all year because yeah. like, we expected to be back in the playoffs. We knew the rule changed, and we practiced exactly this sort of scenario 
uh, you know, once a week or something. Like they right. they devoted half an yeah. hour to it or something every week. Yeah. Uh, which is the you know great great job by Andy Reid and the coaching staff, I guess. But the point is that they felt confident in that moment in a way that the 49ers obviously did not. Uh, and maybe maybe that is the difference in the game. Just the, a question of having your players be uh, better prepared. I think that if you are the Chiefs and you get the ball second, it makes perfect sense to try to win the game there because that's you're giving the ball back to now you're into a the end of the fifth quarter right. or possibly even going into a sixth quarter of football, you're going to ask your defense to bow up one last time right. when they've just given up a touchdown to these guys before. Like, no, you're basically handing the game over if you don't go for two there. Right. Uh, and, and so, yeah, to me, that would have made sense also. But once they kicked the field goal, I was just I was absolutely certain that this was going to go the Chiefs way. Like as soon as as soon as uh, San Francisco was unable to turn that into a touchdown. Was that a broken play, by the way? What was going on? Like, could Purdy just threw it into the end, and there was nobody there. There wasn't a player to meet the ball, like, on that third down before they settled for the field goal. It was kind of a weird play. I don't know if something got broken up or the, the line didn't hold. But they, they they had a chance to kind of either score a touchdown or, like, maybe you know, move the chains. But it was just kind of just a dead throw, and they kicked right. the field goal. And also, I mean, you don't want to – I mean, I think, to to your point – the decision to to receive the ball makes just as much sense as I think even more sense than the other way around. The problem was like you're going up you're going up against Mahomes and you're settling for three. That you, you're kind of exposing your defense to the inevitable. Like you you should be a little more right. aggressive and try to score the touchdown to at least give the defense some protection. Uh, and it would have given them right. And Mahomes, yeah. by no means, by no means, was Mahomes perfect up to this point in the game. Like right. he he threw a terrible pick. Yeah, uh, that what, that what, should have been a, a relatively easy completion on the run to Kelsey. Yeah, most of the time, like when when Mahomes does a play, it's like holy shit, how did he see that? How did he throw it right? At the right spot, they had like a, a camera behind them in the replay, and you can kind of see where Travis Kelsey was, and you can kind of see right. Mahomes winding up and throwing the ball, and it's like over him, and it's just like, oh wow, that right. you don't usually see that. Like he's usually pretty accurate. No, he missed him. He missed him badly, and then even that he had another very long completion that should have been picked off. So he throws the ball to. It was either Meekhole or I don't think it was Scantling, but it, it doesn't matter. There was a long completion that he had that he threw into uh, what turned into double coverage. And he sort of under he underthrew it a little bit, but the safety coming to help never saw the ball. So the guy who should have made the pick, like was in perfect position to steal this ball from the Chiefs receiver, just never saw it. He looks over his shoulder and the ball is is too high or something. And and it allows the Chiefs like that was the that was another moment in this game where it's like, man, if this is if the football fates, if the gods yeah. of football are going to allow this for the Chiefs, yeah. then the, the Niners simply don't have a right. chance. Uh, and and I, uh, uh, I know it's silly, but a few times this week now I've seen in conversations about this game, this idea that this game is fixed, that the that the the outcome was predetermined, uh, just like all of the other football games are. And it's not and. You know, it's it's a silly thing, but like, what the fuck is like? What world are these people living in that they watch? They're flat earthers. That you watch a game like you saw there, and you can come up, you can you can try to figure out how this was determined. If anything, the the one game changing call in this entire game 
was for the 49ers to allow a drive to continue on a, a third down that they called a, a questionable hold on that the uh, on the Chiefs secondary. Like the one play that was like a game-changing or, or drive-extending play ultimately benefited the team that lost. Right. So, like, what are we talking about here with the, the – like, and maybe it's just people who are bullshitting or they're, or they're just that fucking stupid. But, like, I, I – or they're just trolling. Like, I don't know. But it drives me a little bit crazy yeah, to see I, people talking about how this was fixed. I think they're just bull- – because, I, I, I mean, there were so many – Third down situations, there were fourth down situations. Like if the Chiefs don't convert, they lose. You know, they're like there were pivotal moments throughout the whole game, and it's like I don't know how you are planning that. Right. Like it just you. Just that look- last drive was a that last drive. I, I was just saying that how uh, uh, Mahomes didn't have a particularly Mahomes like magical game, but that last drive was just perfect. Yes, that last drive was incredible and it was it was an it was an andy reed i think uh, uh romo called it the andy reed special is what the last drive was and it was it was just a masterfully put together final drive executed to perfection by mahomes and we'll get now to the gambling aspect of this which is the it's a fun part i'm going to send you uh, real quick all right uh something that i sent to my brothers as this was all going down so you know uh what super bowl boxes are right abe super bowl and that's boxes. uh Yes. Do you know what a, a box like the when you buy boxes and it's sort of like a March Madness thing, but it's for the Super Bowl. And so they, they do this big grid and it's it's a, a, a bunch of numbers across the top and a bunch of numbers across squares? the bottom. Yeah, squares. Oh, OK. I never heard of it. You know, yeah, you know what Super Bowl squares. Yeah. Are, Holy right? shit. Bob, do you remember when I was sick or something? I had a tooth. I had a tooth thing. And I asked you to go to the store and buy a box of soup. And you were angry at me because I suggested you told me you were like, there's no such thing as a square of soup. <laughs> it's because there's no such thing. You're as right. A... There's no such thing as a square of soup. Yet in our refrigerator right now is a box of tomato soup. And you had acted like you had never seen or heard of such a thing. And the problem is your stupid brain getting square and box mixed up. <laughs> Thank you, Abe. You go. solved an age-old mystery. The bottom had begun, too. What say you now, Bob? By the way, how long did it take to send something by? <laughs> there it is. I had to find it. Okay. Sorry. All right. That's it. So this game goes to, uh, this game goes to overtime. It's 1919. And I had... I had tried to buy Super Bowl squares from a listener of the show, Corey, uh, who runs every year a, uh, a Super Bowl squares thing. And I had seen it on Facebook and it slipped my mind and I didn't think about it. And then I saw it again on Saturday and he had posted it the day before. He posted it on Friday. He's like, still have seven squares left. Anybody want in? Just Venmo me here. And so uh, Saturday afternoon, I I sent him 50 bucks for two squares. It was $25 a pop oh, each big, square. Oh, big, big money. Um, yeah, big, big, big money, right? And he sends it right back. He's like, "Sorry, the the squares filled up. I got I got no boxes left. Uh, better luck next time." I was like, All "Don't right, procrastinate next time. That's right. Do things right away." So like, I'm like, "Oh, that's a bummer." And then uh, I didn't place any Super Bowl bets until because I had this PTO bullshit going on all weekend, and I was I was writing. I wrote an email for four hours. <laughs> so I wrote a, 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 a PTO email newsletter thing 
that I also turned into a podcast because I'm a true psychopath. I, t- I turned the PTO newsletter into a podcast. I make no excuses for myself. I make uh, uh, I only make abject apologies. Uh, but uh, I did that in the morning part of the day. And then I had to do further goddamn PTO homework to try to figure out the school uh, city and school board budget situation, which uh, uh, had become a big cause for concern. And I needed to sort through the details for myself, uh, not to get into it right now. But like uh, we no, then don't get into it. Been Just asked, don't touch it. We've been asked to make some noise about the the budget and 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 some alleged cutting of the budget and the numbers that had been told to me didn't make any sense. And that's bad news because if something doesn't make sense to me, I'm not just going to like say, okay, yeah, sure. We'll make noise about this thing that I don't fully understand. Like that's just not, I see. I, I know that's, that's, that's weird for me to say to that. I don't make noise about things that I don't fully understand. Uh, some, uh, what are we approaching four years into this podcast or whatever? Uh, uh, it's, it's quite a claim. I recognize that that is, uh, that's quite a claim that I'm making. Uh, but when it's something that I actually like, uh, want to really know about then I need to research right. and I need to figure it the fuck out. So I spent like three more hours on Sunday afternoon trying to figure out the school budget, uh, city, uh, school board budget situation. The end of the story being that I had not placed any bets on the Super Bowl as of like 6.21 p.m. when I finally made it up to to sit down in front of the television. So I quickly do that. I get on my gambling app and I'm like, all right, uh, 50 bucks on the Chiefs uh, uh, money line, right? Because I I believe that the Chiefs are going to win. Give me the Chiefs. And then I see in the the app, it's like uh, uh, play Super Bowl squares too. I'm like, hey, I can put some money on some squares (laughs) because – I just tried to give Corey 50 bucks for squares and it didn't work out. So uh, I'm like, uh, I'm just going to put three bucks on five different squares. So I'm going to spend uh, my $50 bet here and then I'm going to put another 15 bucks on this game just randomly picking uh, three, uh, uh, five squares. So I pick three. I'm like, bam, bam, bam. And I call Katie and Calvin over. Uh, don't anybody tell uh, anybody else that children were gambling in my house. <laughs> they weren't. They weren't. But I, I called them over to my phone and I'm like, you see here, all these uh, blank oh, now squares they were? in the square. Uh, which which of those looks fun to you? Which of those squares looks like the most fun? Uh, don't touch it. Yeah. But like, which of those squares looks like the most fun? I was like, oh, that one? No, 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 that one. Okay, cool. And so they each picked a square as well. And I, I didn't even really think about it because very low probability bet. Like each of those bets was $3 to win uh, 208 or 543, for example, or some other large amount of money. And we're getting to the end of this game. And uh, first of all, I'm feeling confident that uh, my $50 bet is going to pay off. And I hadn't even really thought about the squares. But then I realized heading into overtime that 19 to 19 is kind of perfect for one of my squares because I had a square that included the 49ers ending the game, uh, the the last digit of their score being a two and the Chiefs last digit of their score being a five. And as as Bob uh, started freaking out, oh. he was like, "Are they gonna have to kick an extra point?" Right. Wait. So, at, <laughs> wait. At, 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 at nineteen nineteen, I realize, oh man, nineteen nineteen is kind of perfect yes. for my situation 
if they don't have to kick an extra point in overtime. And then the 49ers go down the field and kick a field goal. And I'm like, oh, oh geez. <laughs> oh, boy. This $3 bet is about to turn into $543 if the Chiefs can go score a touchdown here. So I went from already having a great time watching an exciting football game, and and, and, and to me it was a great fun night watching the Super Bowl, uh, to like, whoa, this suddenly got way more exciting. Uh, and I texted my brothers. I texted them that screenshot that I just sent you with the, the two eyeball emoji yeah. things <laughs> looking at it, you know, like, whoa. Uh, we got a live one. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> And and then the Chiefs go storming down the field, and and uh, Mahomes throws the ball to Meekhole, and I'm like, yes! And I'm freaking out. I'm like, nobody no. kick anything. There's no extra point, right? Game over. Game over. We win. And and I'm uh, um, just like, for like 45 minutes, it feels like the stupid thing at the bottom did not change to F slash OT, okay. right? The way that like it didn't go to final slash OT. It still had the the, but the game clock are up now there on the field. Like, didn't it? I know, yeah. but like. Do they know the rules any better than I do? Like, it's not clear that because there is a when you score at the end of a football game, you often have to kick the useless extra point no matter what. Like that has come up before. I can't remember when exactly, but I have not, seen. Not when time has expired. When time has expired. Not when time's expired, but because of the new overtime right, yeah. rules, it wasn't explicitly right. clear. Right. And also, like it was, when, but when you have. Five hundred dollars floating around. Yeah, especially if you have a three dollar bet that's about to be five hundred plus dollars. It's like you want to be sure. Like I, I don't want any surprises here. Like we're like, okay, one more play, everybody, everybody, clear the field. They, they're moving. <laughs> right? the, I would have been, been so mad. They're like clearing out the I confetti. Been, I would have been one of those assholes <laughs> who kicks the TV. Like you got to be fucking. We're gonna kick a useless extra point here. What are we doing? At that point, the Chiefs should just take a knee. Like there's like nothing to be gained by even going for. Like what, the game is over anyway. Except just, the different guy who had a two and a six. Oh, that's right. right. <laughs> Oh, but anyway, my two and five square paid off to the tune of $543, oh, which is very Perfect. exciting. You should give Corey some. Yeah, that's the other funny thing is like, I don't know if I would have even thought to play the squares if I had gotten squares from Corey. So I know. good on you, Corey. And, yeah, it all worked out perfectly. Like maybe, you know, the sports gods are in your favor just like they are Mahomes. You play this two minutes before the like 630. Like that's the impressive time. That's okay, true. Now it says it's six, 10 o'clock. 6.28 right there on the thing. Anyway, it was a it was a very exciting end to the game, and it got it it took me we from. We haven't even talked about the halftime show. That's true. All right, we can move on to the halftime show. I was, I was already pumped and amped, and I was like, ah, I got to pour myself a drink. There's no way I can just go to bed. We right were now. already drinking. Yeah, we had wine. If you're the head coach for a Super Bowl, do you have like? Two plans for after Super Bowl. If we win, you know, obviously it'll be the parades and all that stuff. And if we lose, I'm going to like the other side of the planet with my 100%. family and just disappear. You have to. They both have to be good too. Yeah, because it's if you're Shanahan, man. Once again, like, how do you even get yourself back up for another season of just this? What's the point? I home. don't know. I mean, I mean, Ken, I've Ken, always... Kendall would just go get divorced again, right? Like that would be the plan. I since I've been watching football. I have not felt sad for the team that doesn't win the Super Bowl. I feel sad for the teams that don't get there, yeah. like the the championship round. Right. That is crushing. But like someone is going to lose the Super Bowl, right. and it it might be you. Like I never felt too sad for that team. Yeah. 
why are the Chiefs not a thoroughly obnoxious uh, three-time Super Bowl champion uh, dominant force? Is it just that Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes are affable and enjoyable yes, human because beings? because they seem to enjoy what they're doing, unlike Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, who seemed like they thought they deserved it and also didn't enjoy it. Right. There is some amount of Chiefs backlash happening uh, yeah. that is in part motivated by the entire uh, uh, Swift-Kelsey experience that we're all going through right now. But it's less than you would normally expect it to be for a team that has been this good and this thoroughly dominant. And I wonder if in part it's like just that they're likable dudes. And and I don't find them to be uh, uh, charming and appealing in the way that I know that you hate Peyton Manning. But like Peyton Manning is a, a tremendous public figure as a as a like self-deprecating pitch man type, right? Like uh, the, the Manning family have presented themselves in such a way. Basically almost that they're that they're great and and enjoyable to imagine like hanging out with to some extent. Uh, Mahomes is not like he's just sort of a dweeb. Like yeah. he's a he's sort of a dweeby guy. Uh, he's not very cool. Like he's obviously not very cool. Uh, <laughs> they can't all be Maddie Ice, yes. <laughs> right? Um, but a fucking great football player who's yes. awesome at his job, yes. right? And 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 obviously also has the respect and and friendship of his teammates and uh, respect of his coaches. And uh, for whatever reason, I don't see the same sort of angst about the Chiefs dynasty that we certainly had with the Patriots. And I have, I have no inkling of it. Like, I'm just happy that the Chiefs continue to win because they're a fun fucking team. And I like Andy Reid a lot and Patrick Mahomes a lot. Will there be a, a, a more extensive Chiefs backlash? I think so. You know, the thing is, like, the Chiefs, you know, they've already won three uh, like the Patriots, the Belichick Brady years, they had like three Super Bowls. Then they were like good without winning Super Bowls. Like the Randy Moss team was probably the best Patriots team they've had, and they didn't win a Super Bowl because of your Eli Manning and company. Uh, That's right. And then like they had like a second window of three more Super Bowls, mm-hmm. and and so like say like, holy shit, this will never end. It's like like a fifteen it went on much twenty longer. year thing, and now the. The Chiefs, this is what, like, been five years or six years or so. So, like, I think we'll get there if this pair continues. If Andy Reid is like, hey, let's do this for a few more years. I think, like, in his 60s. Uh, so, he could do this for, he may not do the whole Mahomes career, but he'll be around. So, if they keep winning, this is the first back to back since the Patriots 20 years ago. I think the. It's also the Boston fans are probably different than Kansas City had, has nothing else going for it. Yeah, I think that's I think that goes a long way also. too, yeah. Also, Boston was experiencing championships in like the you Celtics know. won a cu- won one, right? And then we're good also for a while. The stupid hockey team won a couple in the Red Sox. Like it becomes yeah. their whole identity. Yeah. We're yeah. like, it's someone wearing a Chiefs shirt or something. Like, you're not like, oh, I know what you're like, because they're just from the Midwest and they don't have they don't have a Boston thing. All right. right. Halftime show. A plus plus. So I think that I can draw a comparison between three different things that we consumed this week that all uh, followed a similar trajectory. And some of them worked. And some of them did not. The Super Bowl, what we just spent the last hour talking about. Uh, you could argue that if you were plotting the excitement of the Super Bowl, is that it 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 begins like down here at the at the start of the X Y axis, 
and it gets increasingly better and better. And then at about halftime, it, it leaps and then gets to the end of the game and the excitement just goes right. off the charts, right? You have, a, you have a tie game going into overtime and then a walk-off touchdown. What's more exciting right. than that? Uh, very exciting. I'll tell you. Great, yeah. great way to end a Super Bowl. Uh, uh, we'll get to uh, True Detective at the very end of the show. But uh, this episode of True Detective was very much... Abe, did you watch True Detective? Yes, I, I don't want to spoil... Okay, okay. So this is a flat line that goes on and on and on for about 50 minutes. And then a, a, a big, big spike right. of something. I'm not saying it's necessarily a good right. something. Uh, but there's a dramatic change in the final moments that might confuse you, uh, the non-keen viewer of the show, that what you've just watched was a good episode of television. When, in fact, it was a bad episode of television and then something very exciting happened at the very end, right? So similar sort of trajectory, uh, uh, Super Bowl. Now, the halftime show for Usher my argument is that this is the same trajectory as those other two events that we watched, which is sort of a lame uh, beginning and middle part that gets slightly more exciting about halfway through. And then in the in the final act becomes something just amazing How? and spectacular. How did it become so amazing, do you think? When Little John <laughs> showed Little up. Fucking Little John did it. <laughs> <laughs> I was concerned because, you know, how, how many songs were they in? I was like, you know, the halftime is not forever. Like they, they So went... here's the problem. I was with... getting so nervous for the Canadians <laughs> who had the capability of betting against the uh, the appearance of Yeah. Because we talked about last week. You said it's no, min- it was never gonna happen. minus $100,000. Like, did, did Ursher go to Toronto? <laughs> And and put a bunch of money on them not playing yeah so that he could uh, bankrupt a casino in, in Canada because this is getting yeah. tense. Maybe he's not going to do it. No. It also, the it's um, it was exponential. It wasn't flatline to off the chart and it wasn't gradual. It was 12 minutes of ones and then someone turned on the exponent yeah. button. When and that someone was Lil John, and it went just sharp, sharp curve up. Las Vegas, are you ready to get crazy? Another red shot. Las Vegas, turn down for what? Turn down for what? Yeah. Hey, turn down for what? Shots, yeah. And then the hint, the hint. Of get low, which you cannot perform on TV, but just the whisper, just the like, we yeah. know it's him here. Here's just this little thing. The point here is that the beginning of the halftime show was what not was that the great. opening song? Uh, I know I was... it wasn't one of the top three. My way. Was just some random. No, my way. Oh, was it my way? I don't think he I think opened so. with my way. He got into my. I, I forget what he opened with, but like. Oh, maybe not. I don't know. We should just watch it right now. The superstar singer began with his 2004 hit "Caught Up." Oh yeah, oh, that's right. Caught up, which wasn't one of the the front like with the when they had the the bets like which was the most likely song. Huh. Right. 
And then Will I Am did come out also. I, I think I predicted in on the show. I don't know if it made the cut, but I I expected to see when I was looking at the list of his collaborators. You did. Uh, I said Alicia Keys has got to come because she's the only woman that he's really worked with in a serious and you way. You were wrong. What do you mean? There was another woman. Oh yeah, H E R. Yeah, uh, her her is, was there. H E R was yeah. there. Was was she was that a fake guitar play or was that like? She no. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if I she know did she it live. I know she can actually play the guitar, I, I but it, it, it felt right, right. Yeah. like it was kind of like a pre-recording kind of thing. Uh, we got uh, we got both nipples. We had a, a nipple gate 2.0 where Usher took his top oh, off. That's right. and just, By the way. Uh, he was just changing. He was changing into his roller skating yeah, outfit. I, no, he left the stage to do that. He took the shirt off took to show shirt off the situation there. He started changing before he left the I stage. I think the sequence was he took the shirt off. Her came in so he can like fuck off and change, right? Like, And she did the little right. thing. By the way, I, I don't even remember ever watching a Super Bowl like at a big sports bar. I usually watch it at home. Or like at a friend's place or something like that, and usually it's just whatever the people in the room think, right? But like now there's like right. hundreds of people, and like until the halftime show, I thought it was like, oh, it's a fucking sausage fest. Just like guys everywhere, just ah, I think the Niners right. gonna win. I think right? <laughs> Mahomes is gonna win. And when Usher came on, I was like, there were like so they were so into it. It was like a, it turned into like a concert. People were like singing all of the songs. They were and they were really into his uh, taking his shirt off. Like they were really into that performance. I was like, wow, I guess people liked it. Yeah, and it was good. Uh, but again, like, I sort of can't get over the fact that it 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 started sort of lame, and then it turns into something it else had to. entirely. You can't, knowing... So knowing I disagree. Lo- yeah, you don't know what I'm going to say. <laughs> I know what you're going to say. Go ahead. You can't hold an energy level as high as Lil Jon's for more than that. Like, unless it's just the Lil Jon show, which, again, you can't do that on television. Like, you can't – the words, it just doesn't work. He only works on national television as the bonus throw him in for a few minutes, and you can't come down from that. You have to just quit. Yeah, I'm not. I'm, I agree. You have to end more or less with yeah. You can. You could not possibly have started the situation with or yeah. Or in the middle, you can't put it in the middle because then it's whatever right. comes after. Right, is... right. No, you. It's it's definitely the it's the it's the showstopper. It's the fireworks at the end. It's the grand finale. It's all. It's it. It ended where it right. needed to end. I'm just saying, it could have used a little bit more energy up front. Uh, and you, you don't need to save it for the as, end. As no, that no, I dis. So the perfect halftime show does exist. It was Prince in whatever the year that was, two thousand seven or something. Good old radio. Yeah, tremendous halftime show from Prince. And Prince, I would argue, is a very similar artist to Usher, just in terms of the fact that while they are both, <laughs> what was the face that you're making? I was laughing at Abe's face, which was the same as my face. What? But what's the problem? What's here? the? I'd like to hear uh, you what? draw this connection. <laughs> oh, I know what's going. On. You're saying that I think they're both black, and that's what makes them the same. I Your see words. what's going on here. That. That is not what I was. That is not what I was getting at at all. In terms of their, He's just the same kind yeah. of artist. No, in terms of their careers, you have a couple of massive, undeniable culture-shaping hits. 
And then this gigantic back catalog of very good and and fairly popular music that didn't quite break through to the mainstream. Like most of Prince's stuff uh, uh, languished. It didn't make a whole ton of money. He didn't sell a whole ton of records except for fucking Purple Rain and a couple of other things, right? And uh, arguably Prince's second biggest song he gave to Sinead O'Connor, right? Nothing Compares to You is is, is a Prince song. Oh. That he gave to Sinead O'Connor. Usher, similarly, uh, while he's had a great deal of success on the, in the R&B charts, didn't quite have the same sort of break. Like he's not – like Dr. Dre has more well, recognizable yeah. Yeah. hits than, than Usher does. And so to me, that's a similar sort of like giant catalog of songs that didn't quite connect with the broader pop culture. And then a couple of just absolute monster hits. And what Prince did is he – Played other people's songs because he's fucking Prince, and so he 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 threw a couple of covers in like that wouldn't have. And given the amount of collaborators that Usher has had and the and the hits that he has been on or been a part of, he could have had a less slightly less Usher centric show in the front half, and then also built up to the thing that we ultimately got to, which was yeah, yes, Lori. So. I understand what you're saying, but there are probably like there are Prince fans, yes. right? There are people who love Prince, but that number of people who know all of the songs is probably way smaller than the number of people who know all the Usher songs. Uh, that's just a function of our age, uh, no, I think. No, I don't think that it is. I think that it's a function of, like, you and I are so outside the R&B world. Like, we, sure, we don't... I don't listen to R&B music ever. Okay, but a yeah. whole yeah. lot of people do. And all of those people know all the Usher songs. Prince, just, it's being one art, it gets a more niche thing. So the Prince people... If Prince doesn't only play his own songs, they're not going to be like, oh, why didn't he play that one? Like, they will go to Prince concerts. The Usher people will say, why the fuck did they get Usher to play this song that's not Usher? Well, I mean, I don't know. I just thought I know it, it, you disagree with me because I said it. No, I just I disagree because I have a different point of view. And I think it could have been a, a, a much more consistently high-level show because it ends so great. Like, And, and I'm not... Uh, I haven't lived in the Atlanta metro area for a very long time. Uh, I still do have, yeah, when I was a teenager in high school, fucking, I loved Ludacris. I loved Outcast. I loved that shit. And when he ends his halftime set with the, the chant over and over again, took the world to the A, took the world to the A, that thing, that was fucking <laughs> awesome. I was like, hell yeah, you did, Usher. And it was goddamn great. Uh, but also, you probably should have played Roll Out because you had Ludacris right there. Yeah, yeah. Like you could have done a verse but and the chorus of roll out and it would have been awesome. Ludacris and Lil Jon are never going to get their own Super Bowl shows. Right. Which is appropriate. As sad as that is, that is what it is. You can't just give them their songs. That's still the Usher show. Uh, anyway, it was, it was a lot of fun. It was yeah. a very good uh, job by Usher. And the, the the presence of Yeah made 
the entire difference. The Mimi I saw says, the first few notes of yeah are like sleeper agent trigger words that activate older millennials. Peace out, A-Town Yeah! Okay! Oh, she better. The ratings we can talk about very quickly. Uh, a whole bunch of yes. people watched it. 123.4 million is the number that CBS is claiming as the uh, rolling average over the course of the broadcast, including, as I said earlier, that 200 plus million figure for uh, uh, total audience who tuned in at some point. That's a new record. It, it beats last year's record, and it we're getting we're approaching like. Uh, most watched ever yeah. things in America, like the. Is that the, just because we all have more devices? Well, it's, what do you mean? I mean, you used to have to go to a, like Abe doesn't count, or does I, he? I think they worked that in somehow. I some fuzzy math, right? Yeah, they do. There's a they, they have a formula for figuring out. Well, uh, how are we? Are we just more people? I mean, live there are here? more people, right? That? So how how have we not brought? I mean. Like, what is there left to, to, to take over? Like The moon landing is what's left, okay. basically, in America. There's an, es- oh. there's an estimate that 125 to 150 million people in America simultaneously were watching the moon landing as and it happened. Like the population uh, was probably under 300 million then, right? Like, I don't know, right? So yeah, it's yeah. Like, consider- well, that's a remarkable yeah. share of the American population right and something like 60 percent of america watched yeah. the mash finale which is another one of the big ones that they always People cite love that mash. yeah and but they had to watch it or they missed it yeah the right super bowl you can record it and watch it again yeah also uh and not to go back to harping on something that i complained about when nbc peacock was talking about bragging about how many people streamed the they called it the most streamed event in history yeah. and all of that uh, I did a, uh, an embarrassing amount of research uh, into that claim, uh, and uh, suffice it to say, uh, it's a bullshit claim, and I'm not going to get into all of it here. Oh, you already did, except, so just leave it. Except to oh. say that by any reasonable definition, the Super Bowl this weekend was the most streamed event in history, in all likelihood, because something like half of Americans get their television over the internet right. anyway right so like the way that we watched the super bowl on sunday was uh we used our digital antenna like i i straight from the source straight from the we pull it out of the air we just tune to cbs on the on the tv so instead of watching it on youtube tv where uh we we're also watching it on youtube tv though in the kitchen right it was on in the kitchen on youtube tv as well but we had it on our, our big TV in the living room was just a uh, uh, digital antenna over the air. The fact that more people don't have a digital antenna and you just take the thing and you plug it in, you, you screw it into the back of your TV, and then you put the flat antenna thing in a window somewhere, right, or, or up high in your house. And you just get – if you live in a, a, but, a, a any yeah. sort of population no, center – No, because remember in Athens it, like, wouldn't work? And it wasn't digital, but still, like, if you live anywhere rural, you get nothing. Uh, it's better than it has ever been before in, in that regard. You can get them where they can pull in stuff from 150 miles away. So, yes, for some amount of people who are rural, it is difficult to get broadcast television. But, like, most everyone that we know lives in a major right. population center, and you just have to screw the thing into your back of your TV, and you can watch the shit live. And there's no delay, and it looks it a looks million great, times yeah. better because it's not being compressed and then sent over the fiber. Like, even even... 
with fiber internet, they're still taking a great big pile of information and jamming it down this tiny little pipe and then reinterpreting it uh, on the on the back end uh, up to your television. So you're getting at best like a 1080 picture on your 4K TV, and it's probably less than that. It's probably more like a 720 picture. Whereas if you just stream it over the air or you receive it over the air, the digital antenna, you're getting the best possible version of that picture. Uh, and the most live. And it's live, right. It's not, it's not on any sort of a delay as it usually Small is when you delay. stream it. But anyway, the point is, is that like if 200 million people watch the Super Bowl, 100 million of them or so were watching it right. over the Internet. I, I do not – like the claim that – you broke internet record traffic that day because some 25 million people streamed a, a, a football game that they otherwise would have – half of them otherwise would have streamed right. anyway, right? Like because just of the nature of the way that we receive television these days, you cannot make such claims because that it, it does not compute. It just doesn't make any fucking sense. If NBC is permitted to make that claim about that game, they should be permitted to say, well, we broke the game internet. Game recognized claim. We, we, we broke claim the... Claim recognized claim. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> uh, a whole bunch of people watched. Notably, uh, Joe Biden elected not to do a pregame interview uh, before the Super Bowl, uh, which is the only sort of political thing that I'll mention. And it came at the end of a week where it might have been good to get him out in front of the American public in a way that is positive, right? right? Because he he took it on the chin uh, starting on Thursday with the report from the special counsel who said that he was a, a well-meaning, elderly, and forgetful old man. And it became this whole big conversation in the media. If you listen to the morning press over the last few days, you will have uh, uh, heard me talk about that uh, more than you already needed me to, so we don't have to get into it here. But it strikes me as revelatory of the fear that exists within the Biden administration, and within, or rather within the campaign, that they would not take this opportunity to get in front of 100 million Americans and, and, and just do some free media. It doesn't make any sense to and, me. And uh, they usually will – they're not like hard-hitting questions. I mean it's not like a puff piece. I mean I think they get like somebody from the news side. I don't think they have like Nance doing the interview. It's going to be like Scott Pelley or somebody. Uh, but like – yeah, they've done – I think he didn't go last year either, right? It seems like – are they just trying to say well, we're not getting the – any upside from doing it like it could have gone well and nobody no one would have said anything and had it gone not well it would have been the story like do you think that it was that like what's i think it i think it comes down to the fact that he has a 37 or 39 percent approval rating and they don't think that he's going to do himself any favors on camera and that should terrify anyone who wants him to be the president in in place of a potential donald trump presidency in 2025 like they have no, they, he is the he is the Brock Purdy of right. this situation on the other end of the age spectrum where they don't want to put anything. The Kendall Shanahan doesn't want to put anything on Brock Purdy's shoulders, and the Biden campaign does not want to put anything on Joe Biden's shoulders in terms of asking him to carry the load for getting himself elected next year. Right. And that should that should scare the shit out of you if you don't want Donald Trump to be president I next year. Strategy just to point to the other guy and hell win. What if maybe they? just want to end the stupid tradition of putting the president on the television before the Super Bowl. And by the way, I fucking hate it. When they had it, it was like like a couple hours before. Wasn't it like four thirty, five o'clock? It wasn't like I hate it. Yeah, it, it's just, yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't in the six o'clock window. Yeah. They would not run it. 
But still, like you're talking about some 40 or 50 million people who might be t- turning the game on. And maybe I think that they did run a post 6 p.m. couple of minutes in the past. I, I'd have to go double check my memory. Yeah. But like we're, we're only talking, we're not, even if it was a 15 minute interview, like the, the primetime portion of it wouldn't have been anything more than like when you get a, a Face the Nation segment of an interview that they're actually going to show on 60 Minutes later in the day, right? right? Like it just would have been two minutes or something that they showed. And this is a friendly audience. I mean, not to get into the liberal media bias thing, but Maggie Brennan asking Joe Biden a couple of questions about Israel and Ukraine and the border that's easy softball stuff. Right. That is knock it out of the park, no problem stuff. The she, last thing I want to see when I turn on the Super Bowl pregame show. Yeah, sure. And I, I fully understand that. But this is an opportunity to put the president's face in front of Americans. I mean, they know, uh, they know Biden. But like, you're right. I think it, it was especially if you if you're trying to return back to some uh, sense of normalcy, if you brought back the correspondence dinner that's kind of like a weird thing that they do like trump didn't do it then they brought it back and they're still doing that if you're going to show up for that then you should also show up for this like i think i could be wrong but i think trump would do it whenever fox had the game but he wouldn't do it when another station had the game i could be wrong on that but i think yeah he did he definitely did bill o'reilly the first year and sean hannity the last year and i cannot remember if he did in the in, in the intervening years or not right i'd have to go back and double check that i'm like i said i'm writing a post about super bowl presidential interviews at the moment so i'm uh, researching oh. all of that oh, so get look, to the bottom of it. look forward to that all right i have rolled the dice we will play the billboard hot 100 game Billboard Hot 100 game on the Cast Iron Brains Radio Network. This week, we'll take a listen to one of the most popular songs in America and see how it stacks up against a correspondingly popular song from sometime between the magical years of 1983 and 2012, as our old and out-of-touch hosts desperately grasp for proof that some things really were better back in the day. So let's roll those dice to find out just where and when on the Billboard Hot 100 chart we're going today. I've got... If it's fucking Usher. uh, We're going to place number 19 on the years situation. Okay. What's that, 2001? getting dangerous yeah and scary time we are going to inside the top 10 oh wow of the billboard oh, hot 100 Christina we're going to number number eight on number the billboard eight. hot 100 all right i've pulled up the billboard hot 100 for this week this jack harlow character is still number one scroll down we have a scissa and a taylor swift there in the top five zach bryan number six Oh, Jesus Christ. Is it Usher? No. Number eight is Fast Car by Luke Combs. Okay. <laughs> which is... It's higher than it was, right? Yeah. But <laughs> this is the second time that Luke Combs' rendition of Fast Car has shown up in the... Well, it was on the Grammys. Billboard Hot 100 game. Yes, it is. 
It has leapt from number 20 on last week's chart to number eight because of its uh, newfound exposure on the Grammys last week. I will say, and we didn't talk about it, but I went back and I watched the duet performance uh, that Tracy Chapman and Luke Combs did of this song at the Grammys, and it was absolutely wonderful. Oh. No complaints whatsoever. She was great. He was good in a... I'm obviously in a supporting role here kind of way, and I don't know how you could watch that. I'll, I'll make sure there's a link to it in case you guys missed it. You uh, could just put it in now instead of, instead of having us listen to the song. Yeah, I'll just play that. Just play it now. Producer credit me. <laughs> Not to get too melodramatic about it, like, that's fucking America in a goddamn beautiful nutshell. Any conversations about appropriation or about the way Tracy Chapman couldn't possibly have done what Luke Combs did because racism? Like, this woman wrote a beautiful piece of Americana fucking 30 years ago, and then this guy covered it, and now uh, multiple generations are appreciating it. Uh, she wasn't some uh, trod-upon victim right. of circumstance when she wrote this song. She's a middle-class lady with an incredible talent who wrote a song about the world around her, and it resonated because of her humanity and the way she's able to see humanity in other people who are less fortunate than she is. She's not uh, in, the, in the, the conception of the identitarian moment that we live in. She is not the downtrodden, right? She's an artist expressing a feeling or a theory of humanity uh, that she was able to tap into in a way that she didn't probably experience, right? She wrote that song as, a, as an empathetic exercise in understanding other people, not as an expression purely of her own emotional state. Uh, does that, it doesn't mean that she didn't feel it. It doesn't make it inauthentic. It makes it a work of goddamn art. And if you uh, uh, become attached to it, if you uh, find yourself identifying with it, uh, uh, regardless of your skin color, uh, like, what the fuck are we talking about here? That, like this is what it means to enjoy and appreciate art and, and and the two of them on the stage together doing it and I don't like his voice I don't care for it at all uh, it, it rubs me the wrong way because of my own personal aesthetic tastes but holy shit was it great to see them do that on the stage together and and I feel fuck like it you might be on the wrong internet if you if you have other opinions about that uh Let's go to the Billboard Hot 100 chart for this week in, what did we say it was, 2000, or 1999? When we were 19. I think it's 2001, right? Because last week was number 20, and that was 2002, so I'm assuming. Oh, that could be very bad. I'm I, telling you, this is a dangerous year. This is the, the year that I stopped listening to music because it got bad. All right, so today is February 13th, so we will look at the week of... Yeah, February 11th through the 17th, the number one song, which again, that's not what we're looking for. The number oh, one song that week that. was Miss Jackson by the wonderful Outcast. 
let's see. Moving down, number two was Joe featuring Mystical. Uh, and then Shaggy's Immortal, It Wasn't Me, at number three. Uh, again, maybe the least wonderful Lenny Kravitz song. I don't like or, any Lenny Kravitz songs. Yeah, it's not my favorite. Uh, Jennifer Lopez, Madonna, and Destiny's Child. What a run, one through seven. With the exception of Joe. Who, uh, what are you doing there? What are you doing there, Joe? Uh, and Mystical. Uh, number eight oh, is... Matchbox. Oh! If You're Gone oh. by Matchbox 20. I think I'm scared. I think too much. I know it's wrong. It's a problem I'm dealing if you're gone. Maybe it's time to come home There's an awful lot of breathing But I can hardly move If you're gone Maybe you need to come home Come home There's a little bit of something me And everything in to like recuse myself because I love Matchbox 20 so much. My uh, first album was a Matchbox 20. Oh! <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, you're a late bloomer, Abe. It, That's all I got to say Domino's, about that. Domino's, I did something and they gave me a gift card that I could only be used. I fucking love Matchbox 20. Way. Trumpets in it, the brass. Ugh. All right. I'm kind of torn here because that is of the Matchbox 20 songs it's that not their best. got popular that's the least among the least memorable yeah. right like they have like push is the whole first album right? the whole first album yeah. you're gonna know granted he's a good songwriter i recognize the chorus like it's like but i would never in a million years would i think matchbox 20 oh yeah that song if you're gone i know that one and i would like to hear it again at this party like no fuck right. that that is a mediocre no that's where they start to cross over into the adult alternative you know, yeah. like it's it got boring, but it's still. And as an object of uh, sort of aesthetic hatred for me, I, I put Fast Car is much more interesting as something to engage with artistically, uh, whether it's for its merits or its demerits. Like I, I sort of I find Fast Car by Luke Combs more interesting in that respect. Do you, though? I think I do. OK, but like song. In the context of Well, but of if we're the, going no. with song, then I'll take Fast Car every no, fucking no, no. time because Fast no. Car is a way better song than If You're Gone uh, is. Okay, in 30 years, are we still going to be listening to Luke Combs' version of Fast Car or are we still going to be hearing Matchbox 20's If You're Gone? I don't know. Ga- the game is the game. I think that we're you're more likely to hear Luke Combs' Fast Car in 20 years than you are to hear If You're Gone because if you're going to hear... Matchbox 20, you're going to hear one of their five or eight it's other songs been this first. Long. I hear that song weekly at work. Oh, I, I don't think I've heard that song in 20 years. I would oh, be surprised. Oh, I have. It's still played. Everybody knows it. I don't know. I think I lean, I lean Luke Combs here, I'm afraid. So are we, just to be clear by the rules, are we going by the artist or the, tr- the song? The song. Okay. If if it's the, uh, could I obviously would uh, prefer Matchbox Twenty over Luke Combs, but the, I mean they they they're doing a cover like that means that this uh, song has some staying power. I would say Fast Cars is better than If You're Gone, but I think yeah, Fast Matchbox- Car is a better song. And while I don't care for the performance of it, 
it's got enough of its bones that it's like it's just still obviously better and more memorable than like Matchbox 20's 12th best song, which is what If You're Gone probably is. I would is. like to see Luke Combs uh, do a cover of If You're Gone, though. Yeah. A little country twang. <laughs> Or or there are other songs that are better. Yes. <laughs> that are, there are, that's the thing. They're already country. There's already Rob Thomas is from fucking New Orleans or something. Like there's already a, a yeah. southernness to it. I would like to point out that uh, Butterfly by Crazy Town. Come, my lady. Is at number 20 on the Billboard Hot 100 this Rob week. Rob Thomas is 52. Oh, man. His Tw- birthday is tomorrow. Oh, and happy 21. Birthday, Rob Thomas. 21 was Kryptonite by Three Doors Down. Your favorite. Bob's favorite. Should I tell the story? It's my favorite story oh, to tell. I don't know. Um, it's pretty late here, Laura. No. I don't know. Okay. So when Pandora was new and exciting. Yeah. Bob was doing whatever the fuck he was doing on his computer at that time, pretending to write stuff. And I came upstairs and Bob was like, I have perfected my Pandora station. Like, yeah. I, it is great. I have thumbs up and thumbs downed all of the songs. And the next song that played. As long as you'll be my friend at the end. If I go crazy. It was bad timing by me. I I mean, it was perfect. Rob Thomas, when this episode airs, it will be Rob Thomas's birthday. Uh, He's turning 52? You didn't even address him in the intro. We have to start over. Uh, uh, We will not do that. Perhaps I will give him a shout out on the morning press tomorrow uh, in the birthday section, which I have neglected. I've neglected uh, a few times here in a row. South Carolina uh, is where he grew up. Uh, not breaking New breaking news: uh, the Democrat won the third district in New York oh. with eighty four percent of votes in. Uh, he leads fifty four to forty six percent. The race has been called by the Associated Press. So, oh. uh, plus one for the Dems. That was a strange race. This uh, this candidate for the Republicans. It's too late, Bob. To try to boring. take George Santos's seat. Was an African American Israeli Jew hmm. all in one whose husband is from Ukraine? Like it's very strange combination of identity markers, and also kind of crazy by everything that I could read about her. Um, okay. And this guy, this guy Suzy or Suozy or I don't know how to pronounce it because I've never heard it pronounced. I've only ever uh, seen it on the paper. Uh, he had represented this. He, he'd been a, a rep from here before, and now he's got his seat back. So it's just one of those uh, goofy things where he, they got to run again, or the, the candidate that won has to run again this year. Yes. So he's just taking. Uh, he's filling out George Santos's term, yeah. which would mean that he has to run again here in 2024. Fun, fun, fun. But that's uh, boy. It's kind of hard to follow up. Uh, if you're a Republican, to f- to be the person that's under the Republican banner after the George Santos experience. It's like, ah, I know we kind of fucked that up, but uh, <laughs> turning a new corner. Vote for me. Yeah. I know it's late and we can't we can't talk about much of anything else. I, I did fill out more of my predictions list. So at some point we're going to do a prediction show. Don't worry. 
Did you watch any of the commercials or was being in the crowd at a sports mm. bar? Did that prevent you from uh, really appreciating or noticing even any of the commercials? So, you know, like a sports bar is a pretty uh, loud place. Anyway, there was this this one young uh, woman who was crying for way too long. Like I've never seen somebody like, you know, sympathy, like, hey, are you okay? Like is everybody else is having no, fun. No, when we're crying, drunk and we start crying, crying for it attention? doesn't turn what do you mean I don't crying? know, but like – she just kind of just hovering around where we were. I was talking to some people, and then she's just crying, and her friends are like trying to calm her down. Was and she very drunk? She was drunk, but she wasn't like that kind of drunk, right? She had a okay. few in her, but like the f- sympathy of the first go around, and then like an hour later, I, I look back and I'm like, holy shit, are you still crying? Why are you here? Like, this is. <laughs> I'm just, you can't cry for this long. This is, and now her friends are like rolling their eyes at her or whatever. But anyways, very loud place. Uh, people will tune in for the plays. They'll they certainly tune in for the halftime show. But when the commercials come on, nobody gives a shit. Like nobody's paying attention. I I didn't. I think I saw some Deadpool commercial. Um, that's the only thing I can think of. I don't, I don't remember anything else. I saw some of the stuff the day after as far as what worked and what didn't work. But like. I did not catch any of the – basically, like, if the commercial's on, you go pee or, like, wait in line to get another drink mm-hmm. or talk to somebody. There wasn't much time to, like, sit and listen to the commercial. Uh, I don't know. What I have very quick quick commentary on a couple of them. One, the – I've already mentioned this one on the morning press uh, yesterday on Monday's uh, uh, weather. The Pluto TV commercial where these guys are farming couch potatoes – uh, like the 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 conceit of the of the bit is that Pluto TV makes TV the way that it used to be, which is free and uh, like non-committal. Like you just fucking just just put it on, you find the thing that you like, and you just sit there on your couch like a dummy and you watch it. And so they show a bunch of like human potato chimeras, where a a person has grown out of. A potato, so they're half potato, half human, and they're like stuck to the couch. Like it's all part of the same biological organism. Yeah. And it's like, like you see in Iowa, like fields of corn as far as the eye can see. It's that sort of thing, okay. but with people as potatoes on couches watching large screens right in front of their faces. And it strikes me as very strange right. to try to sell your product as something that we all understand to be definitionally unhealthy. Right, that is right? weird, like, right? It would be like fat if it's like a fast food company was like talking up about how bad it is for you to eat it instead of showing some young and thin people eating the food. Like it's weird that they would take that approach. Right. And that, I guess in the classic formulation of if I'm talking about it then it worked. It worked. Then it I guess it worked and also like Pluto TV is such... It's free. It's free, so there's not a product they to buy. To they want me to yeah. tune in so that they... Do they want me to invest in its stock? Because no, I'm not they going want, to. They want me to put it on when nothing else is going on such that their numbers will... They'll have a larger audience so that they can get more for advertising, right? Because it's a, it's a free ad-supported uh, television service that, yeah, it's a lot like putting on bad cable television... Uh, back in the day, like but it, only the one, like that. It's like if every channel was doing a marathon oh, of that, so is that thing. Is that the format? So I could just watch like Family Matters all to, all day, right? So when when I yeah. discovered Pluto TV a few years ago, uh, they had 
uh, for a while anyway, they had a Bond station. It was and they, James Bond they just all the time. had a James Bond channel, and they had maybe a half a dozen that they had the rights to at any given time. And so you could turn on and like, oh, oh there's Moonraker, or there's the man with the golden gun. And it's like in classic, like being at dad's house fashion. It's like, oh, oh, fucking Bond is on. I don't know. Are we watching it? No, not really. But like, there it is. Like, so I would watch it there. And like, there's like a, an X-Files station and there's a, there's a. Or it'll be like, like re- the real world. Yeah. Just that season. Yeah. Just. Right. There's just this, there's a trend and it's, they're not, by no means are they the only company to do this, but they were the most obvious uh, ones to do it on the Super Bowl. Where we're glorifying obviously bad behavior and uh, like condemnable behavior uh, to some extent, and this was obviously a joke. Uh, the the one that is not a joke that drives me crazy are these American Express commercials, where it's like mom and mom and daughter go out and have a mommy and me date all day long, and they just spend like fourteen thousand dollars, <laughs> like like legitimately she charges like fucking eleven grand to her card. That sounds great. The it sounds like to me day. like they're getting lots of points. They go to a professional basketball game. They're doing they, favors to themselves. They go to like this fancy shopping place and buy bags and, and designer clothes and they go to a fancy dinner. And the theme of the ad is, you know, just fucking do it. Just just spend the money. You might as well just spend the money because you love your daughter, right? You love your daughter, don't you, moms? You might as well spend the money. And it's like, Jesus Christ, this is this is dark, this thing that they're doing here. But it's presented as like this this good thing that you're doing for for you and your daughter's George relationship. George W. Bush said, support your country go shopping. Yeah. This could be, you know, the there are all these different commercials, and I think because the audience is so vast that they're targeting specific audience members. Just like you know, with those outrageous car prices, like it's like I don't know who's buying this, but if you have 120 plus million people watching, there's a certain segment that's in that that's not outrageous. Like whatever you said, fourteen thousand. I mean, that's ridiculous. I mean, who's kidding who? But like. People at the Super Bowl are paying $6,000 to sit there and watch a game, right? So there could be some mother and daughter somewhere or some mother that's like, oh, yeah, I haven't seen my daughter in a while. Let me spend all this stupid money on her. And yeah, it's the same. Just, it's aspirational. Yeah, but there's also – there's an aspect of it that makes me uncomfortable because there's something – there are – there are millions of Americans who are suffering under just crushing credit yeah, card debt. Yeah, there's also debt. a lot of alcoholics and people who are addicted to gambling. No, I know, but cre- the debt the debt thing in particular is just so punishing. And I know that, like, whatever, alcoholism is a disease, right? Like, I mean, that's, that's what they say anyway. Uh, but we glorify it. Yeah, but we don't. Gl- well, whatever. It doesn't matter. It's just that the the reason the reason that Budweiser and or the reason that Anheuser Busch and Miller Coors are able to uh, persist as a, as an ongoing concern and a, a profitable concern is not because of the one percent of people who drink the the most of their product, right? It's uh, it, as Abe has grown up, much more responsible individual. He can have a beer here and there, another beer there and here, and it's all good. Uh, that's the core of Anheuser Busch's business model is uh, widespread social drinking in a way that might not be ideal for the uh, health of the human body, but probably isn't killing them, right? Uh, the, the outlier cases, yes, they make a bunch of money from them, but the bulk of their business comes from the, the, the sure. mass sales to the public. We, in, the, in Clark Howard's understanding of it, as people who never pay interest on our credit cards, are considered deadbeats by the credit card companies because uh, we are just 
we're lost leaders for them, right? We just make money on our credit cards because of the, sure the rewards that we get. Never paying interest, never paying, always getting more in rewards than we're paying in annual fees if it's a card with an annual fee, right? And it's why I never hesitate to renew my Amazon thing because I have an Amazon credit card that pays me more uh, in returns than the cost of the annual membership. Right. Same with They Costco. just raised my credit limit on my Amex too. Right, because they want you to think, ah, oh, I can spend far more now right. because I have this bigger limit. And then all of a sudden you Fucking find yourself idiots. paying hundreds of dollars in interest every month. Uh, but like well, the long end of the story here is that American Express can only be an ongoing concern if people are running around in debt, right? Like <laughs> They have to be paying far more for the thing that they're consuming than they can actually afford. That's why the credit card mon- uh, companies continue to exist in a way that is, uh, you would think on the surface, less problematic than a company like Budweiser that uh, uh, just sells a drug for your brain and your body, uh, but I think fundamentally is, is, is more uh, of a problem for society. Uh, whatever. Uh, we're not talking about American Express. One more commercial I wanted to mention was this Dove uh, body soap commercial for the young girls, which uh, Dove has uh, for years now had a campaign uh, that's uh, all about uplifting uh, young women and girls, oh. right? And they're like, yeah, you're beautiful no matter what your your situation is. You'd be uh, uh, less than conventionally attractive. You could be uh, at any size. Uh, we're, we're for it. Uh, as long as your skin's pretty. Uh, just just use our products to cleanse your disgusting, filthy body, and we will love you because uh, that's just the sort of company we are. They flashed a stat at the end of their commercial uh, talking about how uh, some excessive number percent of girls stop playing sports at the age of 14. Some number of whatever, what, I don't even remember what it was, 50, 60 percent, something like that, no longer play sports past the age of 14. And it's true that that's the case. What's not true is that that is specific to girls, right? This is just what happens in youth sports. The overwhelming majority of kids stop playing organized sport between the ages of like 11 and 14. Baseball sees this massive drop off at the 11, like as soon as you get to about my kid's age, something like 60% of kids don't play baseball past age 12. And then uh, when you get to 14, the number shrinks once again, because it's just not as much fun. It's a much higher pressure situation. Uh, And there's less shit to do. Right. And it's competitive. So like this idea that somehow girls are being uniquely shamed out of uh, 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 continuing on in competitive sport at that age is just a manipulation of the underlying facts, which is that uh, all kids stop playing do they make that, at that particular Do they make age. that case explicitly or is it just like they give you the stats and you're like – they want to leave that impression but they're not actually going to say it? They didn't say like – No, they explicitly say – they leave – they just say what the stats for girls are as though girls are a special case. Okay. And it's, it's simply – it's not true. Uh, and the best commercial of the night was Christopher Walken in the BMW. The Duncan one was really good. Uh, the Duncan one was uh, trying too hard. I agree it was a good commercial with uh, Ben Affleck and Matt Damon making fools of themselves, which is the only acceptable way to be a celebrity uh, in my estimation, is if you're going to be a celebrity, you must be willing to make a total fucking fool of yourself. And it's a lesson that Tom Brady is only now beginning to learn, and he's still not very good he's at not it. He's not doing it. 
He is. He made a fool of himself in the Dunkin' Donuts commercial, and he's also attempting to make a fool of himself in the BetMGM ads. He's trying. He's not doing right. it. Right. He's, he's not trying. doing it. But he's he's finally learned that he cannot be the fucking weirdo who shows up at the hotel. You remember the Tom Brady commercial where he goes and uh, and he he sleeps on the mattress in the austere hotel room that's just uh, it's just a mattress, and the guy is like, uh, anything else for you, sir? And he says, no, I have everything I need here. Mr. Brady, we've been expecting you. Please, follow me to your room. Will you be needing anything else? No, not a thing. Beauty Rest Black. Get your beauty rest. Damn, this is like uh, American Psycho vibes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It is incredibly psychotic <laughs> to be delivered to a hotel room that is just a bare mattress. If I'm the hotel, I'm I'm concerned. Like you're you're killing somebody, you're doing something. There's no way. But he's Tom Brady, you can't ask questions. Anyway, the self-seriousness of Tom Brady is what was so off-putting about him for such a long time. He's trying to, in Peyton Manning fashion... Trying and failing. uh, ...become more personable and and be more self-deprecating, as he is in the Dunkin' Donuts commercial that aired on the Super Bowl, uh, with uh, uh, Matt Damon being the the best part of that uh, entire thing. Great commercial, I agree. Pretty good. Uh, Not as good as Christopher Walken having to walk around and have everyone do his unique cadence oh, voice back the, to the him. Walking voice? Yeah, that's good. <laughs> oh, did you not? You didn't see that? No, he was busy. He was in the bar making friends. Uh, nice ride. It's the real deal. 100% electric. It's the real deal. Yeah. Thank you. Of course. Enjoy your coffee. Careful, it's hot. Okay, thanks. Your dog's so cute. Mm, yeah. Ooh, so adorable. Yeah, wow. Right. We both know it's the man who makes the clothes. Come on. You know, you look nice. Okay, we done? Hello, Mr. Walken. Does this table work for you? Yeah. Yeah. Did someone say yeah? Don't you got somewhere to be? Yeah. <laughs> oh. There's only one Christopher Walken and only one ultimate driving machine. The rest are just imitations. That's how you sell a fucking car that I definitely don't have. Yeah, now we're going to go buy that car. Won't ever have the money to buy in a million lifetimes. Uh, you've been listening to Cast Iron Brains, a podcast with Bob and Abe. Find the show over at our Substack, brainiron.substack.com, where you can sign up to become a paying subscriber and get the uh, morning press delivered to your inbox every single day at some point, not necessarily in the morning. It's it's morning somewhere, Abe, is going to oh, be the new tagline to the... To the morning Why don't press. You just do it like starting next week. Just do it the night before. Yeah, that has been the plan uh, for literally every single week. Is oh, what to... the fuck is your problem then? Because it's hard. Because it has to start on the weekend where I have to. All right. Complete Sunday. the show by Sunday night. I'll have you do it so that I'm way out in front of things. Uh, that's the ideal. Again, I want it to be in your inbox when you wake up in the morning for that day, uh, and I've just. 
I'm just behind the news cycle at the moment, but it's fine because I, I, I think I'm doing good work and that's, that's totally fine. Uh, also, there will be more stuff coming. As I said, I'm working on a, uh, on a post for the, the narcissist archivist and there's going to be another new vertical, uh, exciting new vertical at the, at brainiron.substack.com. What the fuck is a vertical? Uh, it's uh, in the old blogging days. You would talk about having different. Segments. No, I don't care anymore. Never so mind. So you have never mind. Move the along. main website, and then you have different verticals within. No, anything it. starting with the old blogging days, I oh, don't like, care anymore. It's just a, it's a magazine speak, like sort of okay. web, web magazine speak. But we've got the morning press would be one vertical in the Brain Iron multinational media empire. Uh, the the Cast Iron Brains is another vertical in the in the empire. We're going to have uh, uh, the Narcissist Archivist, and we're going to have uh, the Flushy Monocular at some point. Uh, maybe Cast Iron Balls uh, gets its own breakout uh, segment. When Abe becomes an internationally renowned superstar, <laughs> we can break out Insurmountable Lead right. into its own vertical. Yes! And, See, that's a good name for a thing. Uh, our, uh, and maybe we'll do a hostile takeover of the Biffler, and the Biffler <laughs> will become... That's not what it's called. ...a vertical... Within the uh, cast iron right. brains, uh, brain iron, uh, multinational media cast empire. iron balls. It would have to be a cast iron balls presents the Biffler. Yes. No, no, no. Uh, it's brain iron presents cast iron balls featuring the Biffler. Yeah. You're welcome. Producer credit. Which is the buffer. <laughs> yes. Colon. The buffer. Uh. Anyway, uh, uh, go to brainiron.substack.com for more of all of that. Uh, all of those things are coming someday. Uh, the opening and closing themes of the show were composed by Mark Gillig. Tetramermusic.com, T-E-T-R-A-M-E-R music.com. Abe, you were traveling, uh, went all the way to New Orleans by yourself. You can't possibly have had time to also make it to the movie theaters this week. So, you know, I typically go to the movies on Thursdays because... Even if I'm doing something on the weekend, I can still watch my movie. And I did that. So before I left on Friday, on Thursday, I went to go How see... How foolish of me to assume <laughs> that you wouldn't have made it to the movies. How dare you? You're right. I'm not trying to hit 70 movies this year, but I'll, I'll watch a lot of movies anyways. Uh, I went to go see Out of Darkness, which is, I don't think it's a big release. I haven't seen any advertisements for it. It's... A decent enough movie. Uh, the, the 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 story is basically like you know this is set forty five thousand years ago, like a long time ago. I don't know if people were around back then, uh, and they're kind of like cave people, and they're like starving, and they're trying to like find food. And there's like this group of six, and they're like they're like scared of some monsters that are out there. And it turns out it's one of these you know there's that quote, uh, "Fear is the mind killer." Um, and, and it's like, is that, uh, you, is that Dune? Is that yeah, uh, I think it's a Dune thing? Yeah. Are you actually and just I, watching Dune? Because what you're I describing think, uh, is very similar. There was uh, some somebody has a tattoo of that. I just remember, like, oh, that's an interesting tattoo somebody had. Uh, but anyways, like I always think like that's like a in your head kind of thing. But like fear is like the people killer. When you're like afraid, you're like kill other people, and that's what these uh, cave people are doing. They're like. They're worried that there's monsters out there, so they're, like, just bludgeoning anything that moves. And it turns out the things that are moving are other human cave people, right? They're just, like, part of some other group. And so the whole movie is basically just, like, you know, the the youngest kid in the group. By the way, everybody dies in this movie. Like, everybody's just getting bludgeoned to death. Everybody dies. Fantastic. Except the youngest among them. And the youngest one is, like, no, no, the other side, because the other... 
they were kidnapped by one of the other groups, and they weren't like to kill them. They were like to trying to care for them, and so he's trying to make the case like, no, no, don't kill them. Uh, they're good. They mean well. Like the last remaining adult survivor of the main group, uh, they heard the kid say that, like, don't kill them. They're like good people, and right. they're like, fuck that, bludgeon right. them. <laughs> Anyways, and then they, you know, the story ends or whatever. But basically, it's a fine movie. Uh, there, there, there was the main guy uh, was a little rapey. It was kind of weird because, like, they, I don't know how they worked that into the story. That he just was like, "Oh, this girl has her periods. So I'm gonna like rape her now." Like that was as simple as the sequence of scenes was. I, oh, hey, I it, think, was, it was forty five thousand years ago. Man, this know, is not. Was a, this is not the Me Too era. <laughs> it's just weird. Like this. They got an actress who looked older, but like I guess she was playing younger. And they show like, oh, uh, I guess this is what's happening. And then like the guy's like, oh right, this is my moment. And he's like, hey, meet me over there. And uh, before anything could happen, like some you know some wind blew and they thought some monsters were out there, and they went back to normal. So no actual mm-hmm. raping happened, but he was trending that way. Sounds uh, like sounds like the. The monsters were inside the cave all along, Abe, That's is right. what you're <laughs> suggesting. Uh. Also, I mean, this is a movie. It's kind of silly, but there's no way, like, those six would survive. It's basically, like, one uh, adult male, everybody else is, like, underage, except for, like, a useless advisor, like this backseat driver, like, oh, I want to done it that way. People, uh, underage sh- people used to survive all the time. They, people lived to, like, 18, and they died. I know, so, but like that—that that, that group was so small. Like I never seen like just six people just out and about. They're like out, out there. There's nobody else out there until they yeah, met the other people. Yeah. We watched True Detective. It was fine. Let's go to bed. All the, I have uh, to say, sorry, go. Oh no, I was gonna say mentioned uh, the the True Detective was uh, an improvement of, over episode four. I know you uh, were it's an episode four. I watch it again. It is a very bad episode. Yeah, episode, episode four five, is dreadful. Stabilized. Yeah, episode four is awful. Episode five is mostly awful, and then something fun happens. I didn't. I didn't like. I didn't. But I didn't like it. Yeah, but I, I can understand why people would think, oh, like good, something is happening, and therefore this show is better than it was before. I understand that because my feeling at the end was like the adrenaline kick of the exciting thing happening. Right. But everything that led up to that, there was another. I can't remember because it was all the way back on Friday that we watched it. But there was another moment that, from one e- expression of dialogue to another. Nothing like it. It didn't even make sense within the internal logic of the moment of the show, and it it just drives me crazy. It's just such a poorly written show. There were uh, two uh, uh, bits of dialogue that stood out. Like I, like I said, I I guess I enjoyed it more than YouTube because uh, it wasn't episode four. I enjoy uh, it. It's just not good. But the 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 daughter mother thing is just still throwing me off. So the the daughter is like uh, in in just taking a a bath and they're just having a little chit chat. Hey, show up for New Year's or whatever. And as uh, Jodie Foster is leaving, like <laughs> the kid is like, I haven't given up on you yet. It was. Which I just thought <laughs> it was. It's so bad. I la- I mean, I I I cackled at that. Like I I I physically cackled out loud when it when that line happened. It was terrible. It doesn't make sense. I, and then uh, the 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 big uh, moment at the end after it happens, um, the uh, Navarro character is like, "You clean good." Yes, <laughs> you clean. the you yes. g- clean, clean clean good. 
clean like you've never cleaned before. <laughs> like, what See, are I we doing? Uh, also, uh, in the in the moments before that happens, she explains what they're going to do, and then immediately changes the plan. Like, like within three seconds, yeah. it goes from this is the th- and, and and it's such classic TV bullshit to be like for no reason. For, or for an extremely arbitrary reason, we have to go right now. And there, right. is, there is no choice. But for this very moment, there is now a ticking fucking time bomb on this situation. Like, what are you talking about? Right. There, you live in a constant darkness. It takes fucking 20 <laughs> minutes to go five minutes down the road. There's not anything. Up, there's no one within a half a mile of you. Nobody even heard these gunshots. Like, you have all of the time in the world. If you just leave the door open, uh, the corpses will freeze. And the, like, you won't even have to yeah, worry I about know. A smell like what do you mean uh there's like it, it's just it was very poorly done and i i i'm glad that it's ending next week and that's all i through, can say through, about it uh throughout the episode you know i guess they're trying to build up uh the the hank guy you know like his uh mail order bride didn't show up the last episode right. or a couple episodes back and he's like strumming his guitar it's all moping around or whatever and uh this evil company lady is like hey you gotta fucking kill them like uh, yeah that heroin. was weird because first she says, remember in the car they're talking? And she's like, yeah, it's complicated to make you chief. And then he's like, well, right, what if I was, kill that guy? And she's right, like, that, then you're the chief tomorrow. Right, right. He's like, for years you've told me that you're going to make me the chief of police. And she's like, are you kidding me? The, the bureaucracy is very <laughs> difficult to navigate. Why would you think I'd be – like I've paid you and done what I can. But like yeah. the impenetrable bureaucracy of the state police makes it impossible for me to do this. Uh, and then he's like, what if I kill that guy? And she's like, well, then the job is yours. What, like, what are you but, talking about? But it, it didn't actually even go in that sequence because he was like expressing some misgivings. Like, I, I'm not a killer. I'm not going to do like, it's like oh, yeah. I didn't say them a killing. Like, he's a, he's a druggie. You know, you figure it out. Don't tell me how. But yeah, like, she's I the didn't one say anything about it. killing. And then she right. gets on her high horse and very explicitly basically says, and you should kill him. Right. Yeah. He, and then he, he goes. And then he goes from "I'm not a killer" to "Oh yeah, well, I did want that job that you have proven that you cannot give me, and I'm going to go ahead and kill in order to get that job now that you can't give me." So what I what I'm trying Joke's to figure on out. on him. He's dead. I I know that. Uh, I guess uh, local politics is a weird thing, but it's weird that you can uh, get somebody to kill over over like a position, like you know, like she's probably going to leave anyway. The Danvers lady, like. He can't just do the job. He came in number two. It seems like a weird motivation to like kill, unless he's done it before, uh, and he's protesting that he didn't. Like, oh, I moved uh, when when he he's in that moment. Uh, right. He's like, oh no, I just moved the body. I didn't actually do anything. Like, he's still protesting. Like, he's not a killer, but he he was so at ease with the the the, the prospect of killing the the engineer and, and then trying to kill Danvers. Or so who's the so so who's the killer then? We have uh, I, I, as I see it, we have essentially two options. Uh, the only two options are that somehow the young prior is the killer. Killer uh, of what? What are you talking about? Of Annie Kay. Who killed Annie Kay? Oh. We're going to find out presumably next week who killed Annie Kay. It must be either Peter Pryor, the young cop, or uh, or Kavik, right? I think he, we can eliminate him, right? He's, he's 
he Havoc really... is the barkeep that she's boning. Oh, but okay. he's never demonstrated. I mean, there was like that moment where like, oh, he took her little uh, spiral thing, and he, but he, she gave. Like, it seemed like he's kind of been cleared. It seems like they are trending towards the, the kid prior, right? Because like. The father is just like, was that a suicide by cop thing? Or was he thinking, like, you're in on it too. Shut the fuck up. Like, let's finish this job. I think he was, I think he was trying to suicide by cop, yeah. Because he didn't – He, I think he genuinely – I mean, uh, trying to ascribe proper character motivations yeah, to any of these people is a, is a fool's game because this is a very poorly written yeah. show. <laughs> but uh, you can argue that he legitimately doesn't conceive him – conceive of himself as a killer and now he's done this awful thing and it's like who am i anymore i'd rather just be dead and so he suicides himself at the hand of his son which is the most singularly awful thing that you can do to your own progeny uh i think probably is to force them uh, into a position where they have to shoot you in the head uh that seems bad uh, but whatever, I don't care about any of these characters, and I would prefer it if they all died next week rather than get any uh, satisfactory conclusion to their arcs such as they are. We also watched that Bobby Wine. We watched Bobby. Uh, Bobby Wine documentary Bobby. on Disney+, Plus, which is about— It's a real fucking bummer. Uh, a Ugandan uh, pop star who becomes a politician and runs for president— and uh, uh, Uganda is a real bummer of a place, oh, uh, yeah. as it turns out. I don't know if uh, you're familiar with it, Abe. But I'm familiar that it's terrible. Yes, the president, the president has been the president of Uganda for a, a couple of generations now. Uh, he came in thirty years. He came in as a revolutionary, as a as a, a disruptive force, and as is so often the case, uh, established himself and refuses to give up power, and has had the constitution changed uh, a number of times in recent years in order to uh, continue to maintain his power. And this is the story of an attempt by a popular figure in Uganda to win the presidency away from him and the awful corruption and violence that he faces as a result. And yeah, it's a fucking bummer, that's for sure. This is on Disney? It is. It's like a a, National Geographic thing. It was a National Geographic documentary. It wouldn't be on the kids' Disney. We watched it. We watched it because it's nominated for uh, an Oscar this year uh, for best documentary film. It was fine. And it was good. And it is thoroughly disheartening in ways that you might expect it to be because of the way that, uh, uh, politicians wrangle power for themselves and then deploy the force of the state in furtherance of keeping that power. And it just fucking sucks that, uh, (laughs) that the reality of the world is that the United States and other Western nations, continue to support those sorts of governments because we have essentially no other choice because they are the governing authorities there. And if you're going to do some amount of good in that country uh, in terms of alleviating suffering, you have to give the money to the people who are in charge, uh, which only helps them uh, uh, entrench themselves further, reinforcing the problem. Uh, but what are you going to do? Uh, that's that's the world we live in, I guess. No. Uh, but yeah, check that out on Disney Plus uh, ahead of the Oscars or if you don't. want to. If you don't want to get bummed. Yeah. Uh, the good news is it's one of the rare instances of watching a documentary lately where I am i didn't finish it just mad that I didn't read the long magazine piece instead. Right? Like okay. <laughs> so many so many documentaries that I watch, it's like, man, I really would have just rather read 7,500 words about this in the New York Times magazine and not had to watch the stupid TV show about it. Uh, but this is this was an interesting enough visual feast uh, to make okay. it worth it. I'll give it a watch. Let's see. Anything else? Nope. 
Abe, have you got anything else for us tonight? Nope. Well, I guess that's all we've got for tonight, then. And we'll talk to you next time. Later. predictions show because i've got a i've got a whopper of a prediction for us uh well, that i i need to get week, out before uh don't read the news before the world proves me wrong or right yeah or is right it's like a time sensitive prediction or is it going to be like later this year sounds like it is sometime this year hopefully yeah. not 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 immediate it's it's going to oh. take a little while In his suit and his turtleneck. Oh, was this the one who was trying to keep up with his uh, supermodel wife? I-, I can be dashing too. Like he thinks he's Roger Federer selling uh, Swiss watches or something. I have no memory of this. thing which I never had mm-hmm. before and it was like oh this is fine like I, I I don't know what I thought it was gonna be but I was like oh this is whatever you know donut it's perfectly fine did you have the iced coffee did you have the frozen coffee no, no. okay next time you go okay. I have two places for you to go and you can tell me which one you like more okay I will keep that in mind yes next you time you have to get the same thing from both places I had something that on the menu they said it was alligator right but it visually looked and tasted like – I know people say this a lot about uh, different meats. But it looked also just like Peyton Manning. So it's weird. Like they, they would say, oh, you want some of this all- – something alligator or whatever. And I'm like, oh, let me try that. I'm not doing anything. And uh, I ate it, and I was like, this is literally like Peyton Manning. You don't even make it look like something else. It looks just like Peyton Manning. It tastes just like Peyton Manning. What are we doing? The proceeding was created with 100% human content. <laughs>